0: Hello everyone, I'm Thomas from Daft Punk. Random Access Memories, Daft Punk. Daft Punk and Thomas and Guy from Daft Punk.
1: There you go, Daft Punk. We assume that's Daft Punk under those
0: helmets. Hello everyone, I'm Guy Manuel from Daft Punk. Daft Punk mixes of Daft Punk. Daft Punk!
2: <laughs> <laughs> Let's get back to, the, to Daft Punk. It was because of, you know, Daft Punk.
1: Daft Punk. Welcome, Robots Big and Small, from around the world to Daft Punk Podcast. <laughs> That's what we're called, Daft Punk Podcast? We're Alive 2021, <laughs> a Daft Punk Podcast, the only Daft Punk Podcast podcast. In the world, as far as I can tell, if you're out there and you have your own Daft Punk podcast, fuck you, <laughs> fuck your. No, bot, just no, kidding. Just kidding. If you do, if you're if you're doing something similar to us, uh, we would love to hear about it. Maybe we could even do some sort of collaboration. But as far as I can tell, we are the only people talking about Daft Punk in this, uh, in this in depth of a way uh, via this podcast on this planet on this planet, this planet. Uh, via podcast at least. Um, w- one thing I've I've learned, um. Do, researching this and and delving more into like Daft Punk communities around the internet because of this, uh, there are so many people that uh, are so obsessed with them in ways that make me feel um, good about about how much work we're putting into this um, because. Uh, there's just, there are people that have uh, have enormous collections of awesome Daft Punk stuff that they've they've bought over the years, uh, specifically like uh, costumes and shit. Uh, I I uh, got in contact with a guy Jay Cartier this week or Cartier maybe. Uh, I think I believe he's English, um, but he wanted to let uh, he wanted us to know that he saw them at Glastonbury during the time and era that we talked about last week during the Alive stuff. Uh, He saw them in the dance tent there. He said, mate, it was unreal. None of my friends wanted to go and see it, but I dragged them along. It was basically the set from Alive 97. Uh, I remember it starting slow and house-like, then all of a sudden it just dropped to a, a four beat bass drum only, and it got faster and faster. Then it kicked into techno for the rest of the set. It was epic he thinks he was 16 around that time it was uh pre-helmets obviously and he said it was the greatest thing he's ever seen Then um, rocks yeah yeah so thanks for sharing that with us jay he's also been in that da- in the daft punk group on facebook and uh he shared a-, a bunch of his collection and he's got awesome he's got an awesome collection of, uh, of stuff That um, rocks. yeah and and like, if you are out there and you are obsessed with them like we are, we would love to hear from you. Um, I, I'm doing a ton of research, but I know there's stuff I'm, I, I'm missing. I know that there's stuff I don't know about these guys. Uh, but we want to know about it. If you hear something that I, I I say wrong or if you're like, hey, they missed this thing or I think that they would appreciate this little piece of information, let us know. Info at 20 – sorry. It's info at alive2021.com is the email address and send us anything there and we'll share it on the show.
2: Uh, Also, everybody, if, uh, if you want to help us out, uh, you can uh, go on your podcast app where you're listening right now and make sure you uh, subscribe and, and hit those likes and maybe leave a review. Uh, the reviews help, and also if you get a good one, uh, we'll probably we'll probably talk about it on the oh, show. Oh, you better! We love her. We, we do. do. Uh, shout out to Zach Devore. We got
3: a
1: review from him.
3: Uh, he's my best friend, and it was very nice of him to do that. Oh, wow. it, Is it
1: on iTunes? Uh, yeah. Oh my I goodness! Uh, I will look that up and share it next week because uh, we love reading off reviews and everything. So yeah, uh, um, we're here. To chat about the boys, we're going uh, uh, in their career in chronological order. So nearly the bots, so they are so nearly the bots. But they're this, still the boys. This is the last episode that we will cover uh, where they are regular boys. Uh, very soon in the future, they're going to be robots. They're going to leave these um, these corporeal meat bodies behind and ascend to the heavens. Doing a reverse Go, Pinocchio. <laughs> they're gonna. They're going to reverse Pinocchio. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, this week, covering their solo stuff. I was very excited to, to research this one because um, I there's a lot I don't know about their solo stuff. It's very funny because
2: uh, after the app last week, Andy, we were talking and, and Andy was like, I don't know. It's going to be a shorter app, I think. And then and like I, two I, days later, Andy I'm, Andy, Andy, and I are on the phone and he goes, yeah, we'll be great. Yeah, I, uh,
1: <laughs> I'm here to tell you, I don't think it's going to be a shorter episode. <laughs> Do uh, so you want to get to it? Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Let's do right. it. All uh, right. I once saw Tommy Two-Tone at the Muskegon Summer Celebration, uh, the annual carnival festival in my hometown. I bet you guys didn't think that this is where this. No, is I start. had no idea this was where start, was Tommy One Tone, but I'm I'm on board. Uh, you saw him when he was Tommy One Tone. Yeah. Uh, the band relegated to an opening stop for or s- snot Opening's opening opening slot for some other past their prime legacy act came out to little fanfare and the crowd quickly lost interest after they opened their set with their one hit Jenny. Eight, six, seven, five, three, oh, nine. People uh, people filling in, growing more restless, started to yell at the band to play uh, the only tong, uh, two, Tommy, two tong, Tommy Two-Tone song they know. They were chanting, Jenny, we want Jenny. The, play, the band played it again. They didn't quell the heckling. People kept still yelling for it over and over again. So they played it again. And they got a little madder that time. A little bit madder. The crowd, the lead singer, Tommy himself, started to ask the crowd, please, we played it three times. We're done. And then they weren't done. They kept yelling. Finally, after the fourth time, he said, this is it. That's it. We're done. But this is the life of a one-hit wonder. You know, destined to wander the globe, cursed by your only culturally significant creative output. Uh, um, and it must be torture, like having to balance the gratefulness that this one song made such a lasting impression on millions of people, uh, with the fact that you're going to drown in like a groundhog day nightmare of living in the same three minutes of music for the rest of your life.
3: I loved one hit wonders growing up. I had, I, <clears throat> there was a VHS uh, or a VH rather a VH one special hosted by William Shatner Called like the 100 Greatest One Hit Wonders. Oh, yeah. And I had taped it on VHS because it was all these songs and all this weird ephemera from all these years. Yeah. I was like 12. And I used to watch it all the time and be like, wow, now I know about Groove is in the Heart or whatever. <laughs> I used to watch the One Hit Wonders tape all the time because I loved all these weird I, singles. Yeah, I think
1: a lot of people, like people that are interested in music, that's like, it's such an interesting world to think of. I love that movie. Yeah. La- that thing you do. I, yeah, I had, I remember that show too, listening to all of it. How, how does something get that, reach that height and go away? How do you, how do you, how have you captured the national zeitgeist in that one moment, but can never attain it again? Um, I think it also happens though. Like it it happens with, uh, you know, decade
2: spanning artists as well. You mm -hmm. know, when you change up your form and everybody like, like I think of, um, what like like this is about as far away from house music as you can get. But I think of specifically I saw uh, I saw Tom Petty uh, in like the early two thousands at some point in time, and I remember him like. Doing this thing, saying like, "Oh, this is one of uh, the songs I'm most proudest proud of writing, or whatever." And he, it was like this acoustic, like from the heart song he's playing. Yeah, everybody's going to the bathroom because everybody just wants to hear "American Girl." Yeah, uh, and, and and it's not, uh, to yeah, not to
1: say Tom Petty's a one hit one. Not to say Tom Petty's a one hit wonder, yeah. but I'm saying people want that
2: that early. Oh, the yeah. early stuff
1: is what they crave. I, and he uh, he's. You know. Yeah, and I've seen I've seen acts like Tom, more than Tommy Tutone get just watching him get madder and madder. Yeah, because that's all the that people wanted to hear, and they had new songs that nobody had any interest in. Right, I thought a lot about one hit wonders this week. Um, it's just it's 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 so sad to think about somebody getting increasingly desperate to ha- to reach that level again. It
3: reminds me of one of my favorite weeks of all time, Andy. It was when you and I went to see radiohead yeah and then five days later i saw smash mouth at the <laughs> city fair and they played their song like three times at the end yeah you got same like, energy same energy I saw some one people of, seem happier I saw two to do of it. the greatest bands in the world <laughs> that, that week uh...
1: yeah two of the hugest bands in the world <laughs> smash mouth and radiohead uh so what one, one, one hit wonders are just kind of part of the industry they're uh, they're a dime a dozen but a weirder trajectory is the intentional one hit wonder in fact i really can think of just one music act that, that exploded with a single song the only song they ever <laughs> created and then just as quickly faded into nothingness purposefully never to produce anything again uh, of all the hugely influential music Thomas Bangalter and Guy Manuel de Homem Cristo ever produced, Tomas' work on a single song, Music Sounds Better With You, for the supergroup Stardust, might be like the most unique and craziest story of, of it all. Uh, the song has more than 50 million plays on Spotify. The group's official YouTube channel has 45,000 subscribers, even though they've just uploaded one video. Michelle Gondry's music video for the song, which itself has more than 40 million views. And what's even crazier is this song was not available digitally until a 21 year anniversary re release in 2019. So these astronomical numbers are just in the last few years. Wow. Uh, it was originally released in 98. It is without a doubt and with no exaggeration one of the most popular dance anthems of all time. Ooh, baby. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Stardust. Music sounds better with you. From Harris Rosen's book, The Real Daft Punk. Have you ever heard the behind the scenes tale of Music Sounds Better With You? Allegedly, Virgin Record UK laid claim to being responsible for the success of Daft Punk, making the music a distant, a dis, a, a distant second. Somehow, some way, in the pre-social media snail mail world, word leaked back to Daft Punk, leaving them disappointed and disrespected if that is to be believed, Tomas wanted to find a way to take a shot across the bow to Virgin and prove it was Tomas and Guiman's unique genius that drove the success of the music, not the infrastructure of Virgin. So in the mid-90s, both Tomas and Guiman were experimenting with their own solo work and burgeoning independent record labels. We will cover Tomas's work with Roulet and Guiman's uh, More" in this episode, uh, but we're going to start with Stardust. Because it's the most impactful release either had outside of Daft Punk. Uh, so let's start there. Although the French touch sound is now such an undeniable presence in the history of dance music, the scene around P- uh, Paris in the mid-90s was still relatively small. Everyone knew everyone else. Thomas Aguiman had hit dirt with a smash hit debut record, but they were still looking to collaborate with and elevate other artists in their circles. Alan Bra- Brax was a college dropout in his mid-20s who had been noodling around with keyboards and synths since he had first discovered dance music in his teens. He got a copy uh, of his track Vertigo in the hands of Bengalter, who liked what he heard. So this is actually the first non-Tomas song released on Roulet. It's called Vertigo by uh, by Brax. <coughs> So yeah, int- yeah um at, up to that point Roule had only done Tomas tracks and that was the first one that he stretched out and uh Alan Brax is he's still tootling around he's an awesome like in-person Dj he does a lot of producer work for like Kylie Minogue and other acts like that um rocks yeah hell yeah he sure does there's a there's a boiler room set of him playing in like the lobby of some weird hotel and it it sucks to watch the crowd because there's like just like five or six people kind of tooling around the outskirts and he's decimating it on the decks.
3: I, I found Alan Brax through, there's a, a very soft acoustic group called Kings of convenience. They have two records that are ve- or three records. Out there, and they're very good. They're from Norway. Uh, and they were one of my favorite bands in high school. And Erland Oye, the singer for that put out a DJ kicks with Alan Brack's tunes on it. Erland Oye sings um, on the Royksop tune, uh, like You're the big one. Yeah. yeah, Remind Me. He does the vocals on that. Mm-hmm. He's like not a dance music guy, but he put out a DJ Kicks record, which is one of the most iconic series of dance music mix
1: records. Yeah.
3: And that was one of the first mixes I had ever gotten into, and it turned
1: me onto a bunch of dance music. That's awesome. Uh, I got turned on to Reuch-Sopp from that Geico commercial I, I also, figure out what it was. Yeah, I also got uh, Inderoyx <laughs> up from that Geico commercial. Uh, Benjamin Diamond worked in the movie industry and was a member of a punk band called The Chicken Pox. And he sang in some funk and soul groups around Paris. He was fired by one of his bands when they found out he sang on a track for Guymon. Uh I could not find which track this was. It was a Cry More track. I couldn't figure out which one it was. Uh, but he said, "At the uh, he said for them for his band, he goes it was like this bougie techno stuff. They told me go back to see your Daft Punk f- uh, friends and forget about us. So that's what I did." <laughs> uh, he said that to Billboard magazine. They did like a 20 year anniversary uh, story about the song. Uh, so after the release of Vertigo, the three played a set at the Rex Club, like to promote uh, Brax's uh, Roulette release. Um, They were buddies so they played a set together during which they played a rudimentary version of Music Sounds Better with You. The next day the trio uh, laid down the track at the Daft House, uh, House recording studio and they added that small snippet of Shaka Khan's fate over the top.
0: And sample from the song Fate uh, that we used was also important in terms of inspiration. And I believe that this specific frame uh, gave us the inspiration to work on a song with no boundaries in mind, except the simple facts that we wanted to do club music.
1: That was Alan Brax talking about it.
0: Uh, that's um, crazy.
3: Cause the Shockercon Khan sample is what makes the song. It is the song. The song. It's I know the whole song, It's the song, the vocal. I could do without the vocals. I could do without a yeah. lot of it. It is that show. Yeah. Bum,
1: bum. So he's, he's talked about it. Um, Alan Brax has talked about it specifically when they finally, when they debuted this, he remembers going to a cl- clubs and it is now, it's now talked about as like an instant smash, but he was like he remember seeing it at a club for the first time and looking around at people like what the fuck is this <laughs> song cuz it's it's such a distilled repetitiveness yeah and it's such a specific thing people didn't quite know what it was and it eventually caught on uh, but yeah i i don't even know what this song would sound like without the it's sample it's
3: funny i've done i've had the opposite happen where you start building a song around a sample and you like you you make all this cool stuff around it, and you're like, you know what? Now the sample's getting in the way, it. and you yeah. remove it. This sounds like the opposite, which is kind of wild. Yeah,
1: I know. I like trying. I was trying to even visualize what this would be without that, and it, yeah. it's just like a groove, I guess. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, um, uh, the plan was always to release the song on Roulette, which Brax says was a creative space for Bangalter, dedicated to experimentation, and we'll get more into that later. Um, the small initial run was mostly meant for DJs and other people in their circle to spin at parties. Pete Tong was is said to be the first person to ever play this song in front of a party.
2: I remember so clearly when this got released. The French house sound was killing it at the time. This record got released after the first half punk album. It's a collaboration between Thomas Bangalter and Alan Brax. I was actually in Paris the first copies um, were pressed and Thomas actually personally came to my hotel and gave me a copy so I was really honored I've still got it
1: that is quite possibly my dream (laughs) for tomas to come over to my hotel and hand me a record and be like my friends and i made this and we want you to have it (laughs) that rocks yeah that's very cool
3: when i was in bands growing up all i ever wanted to do was put out like a seven inch or uh put out something on vinyl you know like a, a 12 inch maxi single and i remember how expensive it was to have a record pressed right yeah and then I would like learn about house music and be like, Oh, they just press a hundred copies with white labels just for DJs. And yeah. I thought that's the coolest, most exclusive thing in the world that they spend all this money to press these special records just for people to yeah. spin at the club. So that's what so that's, cool.
1: that's, that's, that's a lot. What Roulette started as that's what, uh, this started as was, uh, um, this first run was, yeah, for, four people to play at parties. Um, uh, said brax it's very simple in a way very brutal whether it's a song or even in fashion what passes the test of time are simple creations if you put too much effect or rely too much on production techniques uh, of one specific period it's going to be dated and five years later you could feel like oh it sounds a bit like 2005 or whatever this song was made in the late 90s but it's so simple it's hard to put in a specific field it's just what it is. That
3: is funny that he is talking about filter disco, which is <laughs> sound, could not sound more of the era. Yeah, I but there's something about this song. This is song timeless. That's yeah. So, yeah. But it, when I hear it, yeah. I hear 90s
1: French filter yeah. disco. And I think by the end of this episode, we're going to hear some of the folks involved in this scene start to grow tired of it uh, uh, because uh, things like this begat so much uh copycat stuff that this sound really started to get bogged down i Um, never
3: i always wanted more of this because i never reached that point like there's not enough of this hyper compressed filtery disco sampled house for me
1: but it I mean, I, can I can't imagine they got I yeah, I it. can't imagine being somebody in like Cassius and being like a fucking another one. Yeah. You know, like just being in Paris at this time, trying to make this music and hearing more and more like um uh just more and more diluted versions of the same stuff. Yeah. I'm sure around like once it once this sound played out around there, I'm sure it was yeah. just like so Especially annoying. Especially cuz these
3: are guys who also love techno and like more synthesizer music yeah you know I, i could see where just the sample stuff got them burnt
1: yeah uh this is brax speaking specifically about the repetitiveness of the song
0: i mean the song is very repetitive and in a way it's almost flirting with boredom Uh, But the bass line changes the listener's perspective every 16 bars and it helps to keep the momentum. Also when you listen to the song and when you reach the first minute, you slowly understand that there will be nothing more to expect. What you have now is what you'll get until the song is ending. So if you accept it, it gives a form of satisfaction quite easily. Another point is that the repetitive aspect is something that the song is sharing with techno and hip hop instrumentals. There are a lot of influences in the song, and all of them are synthesized in a very simple way. Maybe it's the song's specificity.
1: <laughs> that that is so funny to me. Like the idea that, like, flirting with that the song is flirting with boredom.
3: It's funny because, like, I, I, when I'm hearing him say that, I'm like. I don't need that explained to me because yeah. this is the music we like, but yeah. I I can see in the context of this is a global hit yeah. and you have to explain to a music journalist what a, what a groove is, yeah. what a tech, what house is. It's yeah. like, no, you you get a pocket yeah. that feels good, and you just ride with it for like five minutes, so you can mix and in And got, out. I also
1: love that him saying like, once you understand that this is all you're gonna get, you enjoy the song. This and is the like is that, just but he's, it, like, he's like, literally explaining how, the the enjoyment that we get out of house yeah. music. And it's to funny,
3: someone just, like true, like this was a global smash. These people are like, what is this sound? It's like. There's a whole group of people who only listen yeah, to yeah. yeah there's uh, a bunch
1: of weirdos and uh, degenerate. This is a is...
3: cottage <laughs> industry of of people who just want to hear one and fucking. Meow yeah. meow I think for that like the, the other side My of favorite this music is
1: too. just one horn blowing over and over again with the same. <laughs> but note. like the
2: other side of this, I would say <laughs> is like again, it's kind of like 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 you you guys trying to explain this to me like years ago, right? Yeah. it's it, it's tough to to get it until you.
1: Get it that, like, again, just listening even to so, but even but, something like this, everyone in the world they don't know, they might not know who Stardust is, right? And they might know you've so heard where this song they so, you have heard this song, you've heard this song, but like, I think
2: that, that what people don't like, people like me before, right? What I wouldn't have understood is. The way in which, like, there's a, th- like this is great for like studying or running or, or something like that in yeah. practical life, or if you're, you're if I'm around the a house party. working or whatever. But I'm, I'm just saying, at a party setting or at a, a dance setting or a rave setting or a club setting. Y- y- the variation is going to be com- coming from the way that it's being mixed into the set, yeah. you know, and that's well, what is, in- right, 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 right. Is-, is is another thing. You know, you talk about a, a short run press being handed out to these DJs, and that's why it's like, hey, here's this thing. I mean, it's almost like you're designing you, you find sounds you like you design them in a repetitive way because that is the ammo that DJs are going to so use it <laughs> with. You I, know? I yeah. understand
1: when people say uh, that the repetitive, this is a knock on this music i understand that when i hear people say that all music sounds the same this music sounds the same i understand that but it's like it's also there are like scientific studies about auditory patterns in music where if if there is a sound that you connect with you start to hear the variations in the sameness and you connect with it yes Uh, And that is a reason if you don't connect with a certain uh, auditory spectrum, you don't understand the differences in it. So for me, all country music sounds the same because I don't connect with that music at all, and I am not going to give it enough time to start to listen to the the, the different ways that people manipulate the same patterns. The other... Uh, here, I can hear all of all the differences and with even a song like this that everybody knows over and over again, I can hear the way that they build into the groove and I can hear them subtracting pieces and adding to it. So this simpli- the simplicity of the repetitiveness becomes this like experimentation of how to keep that repetitiveness going with the different yeah. elements as they bring and take them and away.
2: I think that the other side of it too is if you you know I'm going to go a little bit in a different direction here but I think if you think of like 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 9-inch nails or something, right? 9-inch sure. nails is someone that I think of like the first time I hear 9-inch nails in my life, I think that's some abrasive noises. Uh, but as you grow to like learn and respect that like you're saying, like or or on the other side like like Hardcore music or yeah. something like that. That's one where you first turn on hardcore music or, or even like, like I, I, I listened to some some screaming music in yeah. my my youth. Absolutely. And the first time you hear that, you're like, why am I? Why would I want to hear this? And then you start to appreciate it and hear it and learn about the different parts, understand what a breakdown is, understand, uh, you know, the melody behind it, the harmony behind it, you know, understanding the different parts. It it's almost like you don't unlock that until you want to unlock that. Yeah. You know, I, I haven't quite figured
3: out what it means or how to articulate it but i was thinking earlier today that i spent a lot of my late teens and early 20s very involved with uh stuff in the brain yeah and my later 20s stuff in the body this is music for the body this is music this, for is, the body. Not, yeah. this is not this is not for the brain this is for the body yeah. um, and, when, it, and you connect yeah. with this in a very physical That's way I,
1: I like any like time somebody uh somebody says something about like negative about Daft Punk's lyrics. I'm like, you don't get it. Yeah. You yeah. just don't get it because oh, yeah. it like they're, they're, they're not trying to be beautiful lyricists. They're trying every single part of the song. Uh, and that's why they use vocoder and stuff is an instrument to them. The the vocals are an instrument to them and they're trying to create a mood. If you're hung up on the fact that the lyrics to digital love are simple, then you just fundamentally don't understand what we're trying to do. We'll touch on that more in this,
3: (laughs) this this, later in this episode, but yeah, I, I really feel like, I don't know. There was a time when I was really analytical about music and I still can be there's, there's, a lot of reasons to be analytical about music and, and think about music, but there is, it's been much more satisfying to let these things wash over you as a feeling instead of sitting down and studying it like a book. But on the
2: other side of that too, though, I think some of the beauty and one of the things I like most about house music and, 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 you know, most of the good electronic music, good, good with quotes, because what's good music, I guess, but is the fact that there is both as much or as little as you want there. We could dig into every sample and try to figure out what they did and how artfully it was created, but you don't need that to enjoy it. And I think that's, that's one of the things that this podcast and doing this with you guys is really making me see that, that like, who am I to, you know, whether it sounds complicated or it sounds simple, it doesn't, you know, it's music for the body and you want to, you want to trace it back to its origins. You want to try and figure out the machines that they are using. You want to figure out even newer artists nowadays who are completely making things on Ableton or whatever. There's still an artistry to making yeah. that, you know, and maybe there is an element of just pressing play for some of the more newer acts at a live show. But like, again, you can find as much as you want yeah. if you want to dig for it. Um, it's It's a cool thing. So uh,
1: uh, more copies of uh, uh, "Music Sounds Better With You" were distributed at the '98 WMC. These guys love the Winter Music Conference. Yeah, yeah. they we love, gotta go. Uh, yeah, it would be super fun to go to um, uh, to Winter Music Conference. Um, th- yeah. So in the in the '90s, they were kind of a staple there. Even even in years they weren't touring, they would they would show up there. They would distribute Roulet and more stuff. It's uh, specifically in 98 music sounds better with you uh, gets uh, released there, which is, this is in like early March, uh, 98. And, and from there it just exploded. No help from Virgin. No when, help. From
3: homework the, was when 97.
1: Yeah. Like, but
3: when homework like, came out, was it early or late? 97? Uh, I, I can't, remember. I can't
1: remember off the top of my head. Um, I'm
3: just curious how hot off of that record they
1: are. Uh, this, so, in uh in 90 January 20th is when uh 97 uh, okay so oh, this, are, is, this is this is well year, yeah this is well uh well after a We've year we got the whole release cycle yeah. uh so it exploded from there no help from virgin no help from the internet just rave kids wanted to groove to an impossibly catchy tune it was bootlegged all over the world and Roulette itself sold as many as 400,000 copies of the Holy 12-inch moly. single yeah just this small thing uh, um, and Thomas never intended Roulette to be a label proper. It was just a place for him to just do shit, cool shit. So this, this was too much. <laughs> uh, it was too much for what, uh, what he meant Roulette to be. Uh, uh, it was just supposed to be an experimental side hustle. Uh, Gildas Loic, uh, who founded the French indie label Kitsune, he was a behind-the-scenes employee at Roulette at the time. He said Roulette was supposed to be a hobby, a creative platform, but then you had Stardust blowing up on it too, so uh, it was just it just was not pleasant for him at the time. Uh, he was getting too stressed out about it. So, having proved his point uh, uh, about the residence of his music, Bangalter and the rest of Stardust handed the song over to Virgin, who immediately re-released uh, the track and sold over two million copies worldwide uh there's no b-side there's no nothing it's just this uh it charted in 25 countries reached number one on the u.s dance charts it was also 62 on the billboard hot 100 uh, and it peaked at number two on the uk charts so think like 98 that's uh, higher than a lot of their homework yeah something like this
3: this is a bigger this might be a bigger hit
1: than something like most of their singles from homework uh, something like this, peaking at number 62 on the Billboard Hot 100 is just – it's really hard to wrap your head around.
3: You're competing with NSYNC and the Backstreet Boys and Madonna. Yeah. You know, so, the Spice Girls and Christina Aguilera, a, a huge time for gigantic
1: – Yeah, around the world, 61 on the Billboard Hot 100. This yeah. got 62. So that, like – and around uh, the
3: world is what we think of as the Daft Punk song yeah, from that era. Yeah, this was a whopper of a hit.
1: Yeah, it's incredible. Um, the song was released in the spring of '98. That summer, France hosted the World Cup and and won its first ever championship. And it, this became like a de, de facto national party anthem as the entire country celebrated its uh its patriotic homegrown win. Uh, so this was just everywhere it could possibly be in France uh, in the summer of 98 after the massive success of the virgin release the record label approached bangalter with a 3 million dollar offer to produce a stardust record hmm. album so, proper
3: they already had like
1: they already was had a stardust album. record no, you know staffed but yeah. i know but oh, yeah. that's what
3: i'm saying like they had like we he's It's very funny. Yeah.
1: So they already have him on Daft Punk. They're like they've already thrown a bunch of money at this guy. They he gave them their single. They sold two million copies. Three million (laughs) dollars, Tomas, to to do a Stardust album. Uh so the three musicians did tool around for a while. They developed about five or six demos, but uh but they just never thought any of them felt quite right. They never got them somewhere uh, where they enjoyed them. So in the face of a massive payday, but unhappy unha- with how the music was coming together, Stardust walked away. They sold millions of singles. played uh, They played one festival uh, uh, as a group together. So officially, the three of them played two together, the one where they played uh, um, for Brax's release party and uh, a festival set um, uh, around this time. And they released uh, that Michelle Gondry directed music video, and then they just vanished. Uh, Brax, like we mentioned, became a respected producer. he He's done like remix work for justice and stuff. Diamond was pressured by his label, Sony, uh, to create specifically he they wanted more music to sound better with you. Mm-hmm. So uh he he uh, later said he really struggled to rediscover his own sound um, uh, after the success of the track and that it kind of like held him back from experimenting with in ways that he wanted to Uh, people know Brax Benjamin diamond is like he's you've heard his voice and stuff he did some cry to more stuff eventually he's he's released a couple of his own records he never really found much success he doesn't even have his own Wikipedia page so um he never he never like recaptured that magic and, and that's a t- like that's a that's a one hit wonder thing yeah like the sony pressures him to do more of this it it takes him away from the stuff he wants to do and eventually none of it really ends up coming together uh that that's that's t- that's total one hit wonder energy yeah
3: that's difficult you know especially because he's working with you know tomas is a is a icon of the industry who's produced a ton of hits and alan Brax. If you listen to his, you know big tracks. If you like dance music, you know all the songs. Yeah, they're in everything. Yeah, it would
1: be very hard to. I think we're gonna hear a lot of songs that people. Um, unless you specifically have gotten into Tomas and Guiman's solo work, I think we're about to hear a lot of music today that you know you know if you're a dance fan. Yeah. Yeah. Um. Uh, Brack said of the uh, uh, song, by luck, the song became a hit, but that doesn't mean there must be an album. It was something totally unexpected when the magic happened. Uh, it happened once, and we thought, let's keep it like that.
3: It's funny because that doesn't seem crazy to me because yeah. the nature of the music we like is, you know, yeah. Wh- what are albums? Who cares about albums? Yeah. It's singles. You put out... Like my favorite house artists have put out fifteen singles
1: yeah. and no albums. That's yeah. what you do. That's what you do. But it, it like it's also because it's such a it's such a, a an art form that comes and goes, and you just kind of yeah. put stuff out. Like to have the artistic integrity, to have three million dollars on the table, and just say nothing else is coming together. Like we're happy with. And just walk away from that. Yeah, that's that's incredible. They could have put out garbage. They could have farted out twelve songs, put it out, and made an incredible amount of money, and they didn't. It's it's weird because you know we talk about these things, and I'm like, oh,
3: that's normal for dance music. Yeah. But
1: we're not talking about normal dance music. dance
3: music. We're talking about at the scale of the whole country. Have yeah. this as their anthem. It, it's fun to go back and have these conversations where we contextualize them. In the time they came out yeah. because when i think of the scope of how big this song was i'm like oh yeah that's that's I think, really why think why.
1: about like if they if they did if they took the money farted out a record uh it would have we wouldn't have this awesome story i think they understood how unique and incredible it was to make this band for one moment and and take over the world with it and then just go away. I think yeah. they understood how how unique and special that was and they wanted to preserve that. What like why push something and dilute your own thing with something you're not happy with when it could just be this wholly unique story of something that it caught the attention of the entire world and then went away. I wonder, um I wonder not not to get too far ahead, but I
2: wonder if the success of this song is- in part leads to what seems to me to be like the almost opposite with the the Daft Punk albums following this, which every single one is a very much a cinematic album. You know, we, um, yeah. Well, well, uh, I'm we're sure get we'll there. yeah, I'm sure we'll uh, dig into that for sure. Yeah. But it's it's an interesting thought that like. This is such a, a like. It's I don't know. One hit wonder doesn't do it justice, you know, because it's a decision. It's a intentional. It's not something they were that's fighting. What I, that's against. what I meant.
1: Like it's an intentional yeah. one hit wonder, which it, it, I've never. The, I can't think of a yeah. single other example. The irony of that is, you know,
2: you think of somebody like um, whatever Tommy Two Tone or whatever the hell, uh, you know, that is your 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 prison you know and yeah. to approach it with the the mentality buster, of of the control or whatever you know buster
3: of, poindexter i think is the other one right <laughs> famous like,
1: villain from mr nanny
3: <laughs> buster poindexter hot 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 right yeah. he it's the alter ego of the guy from the new york dolls yes he does one song in this like weird lounge singer mamba thing and it becomes a huge hit and he's like no that's that's a character i did for this song
1: and he that's the only it thing is, he did is buster poindexter yeah, I don't think there's other. Bust- I'm not sure. There
3: can't be other Buster Poindexter I songs. I, yeah. li- I like the energy of I'm doing a side project to remind you all that I can produce the catchiest music anywhere in yeah. any
2: way I want.
3: <laughs> it's yeah. a smart. It's a I don't know. It's a it's a flex. Oh, yeah.
2: But it's very cool. Uh, um, Buster Poindexter has got a whole album. There you go. He's got a whole album in that, char- in that yeah, character. Yeah, I remember he put out that album. Oh yeah, but just just that album. Yeah, as, as, the as character. a character. Yeah. Okay, yeah. cool, cool. cool. In the- Chris Gaines, right?
3: Chris Gaines,
1: <laughs> Chris Gaines, <laughs> Chris Gaines. <laughs> Chris Gaines <laughs> the,
3: the album came out. Yeah, but the movie didn't, right? I, I don't think there was ever a movie. There was. I remember him being like, "Yeah, it was a huge embarrassment and a flop because." There was supposed to be this tie in movie oh, where man. I played a guy, so I put out this alter ego, and then it never, never happened.
1: happened. Man, what a weird thing that was. More like Chris Laws. Garth Brooks put out an emo <laughs> record. <laughs> what a weird time of the world this was. That was right around this time, too. Yeah, Garth Brooks. Thing. So, uh, Goth Brooks, uh, the Roulette label uh, itself started th- uh, about three years before the Stardust release. Thomas said, Roulette's never really been a quote-unquote label. It's more of an outlet where there's a record every year or so. Um, I've never made any plans for it, and I never will. It's just something that's there. <laughs> and he and if you look at the their their release structure, it is. It's just like here's one, here's a song I I wrote here, here's one here. Most of it's just him him. There's a couple that he does, uh, for friends of his, and then there's um." collaboration projects like we'll get to what he does with dj falcon and stuff eventually but yeah there's there's no there's no structure to this it's just cool stuff being put out because as an outlet uh yeah stephanie uh we've mentioned her before at the blog softer worse or slower weaker found a really (laughs) awesome quote from tomas since Daft Punk, I can't shake off this image of being a little marketing genius. People think I spend my time in a dark room developing uh, Machiavellian strategies to boost sales, uh, which, is, yeah, I feel like they've always had that yeah. structure. With Ru, with Roulet, Bangalter just wanted to strip away the sheen and just make cool shit. Um, so, and that's what he does. The first release uh, was uh, a now seminal EP, Tracks on the Rocks. Uh, came out in 95, two years before Homework. And many, many people point to this release as kind of defining the French touch movement in general. Um, years later, Boys Noise, he specifically pointed to these five songs as one of his major influences for his entire career uh, uh Medium.com wrote a retrospective. And they said over five tracks, it pretty much redefined what techno could be, giving it a new European slant that brought disco and the disco and the fun back into a world that had become staid and gray. Uh, have you guys listened to tracks on Derox? We're going to yeah. hear some snippets. Uh, so uh, this one is the opening song on Derox. You might remember this if you watched. The making of the doghead video on the Daft DVD. It's like just a nice loungy groove. Yeah, yeah. Uh, um, that that song never really strays from that. It doesn't build as much. It's just like a nice solid like that's like a strut you walk. You listen to that strutting down the street it's got
3: pornographic music energy to it <laughs> oh yeah absolutely
1: yeah it's got that
3: that 70s that kinda,
2: wah funk yeah like, that wandering funk melody it's got a sleazy horniness to
1: it, it that like, <laughs> clipped that clipped yeah. guitar sound yeah yeah absolutely
2: uh, like this, that. this one might be
1: my favorite track off the EP Roulé Boulé <laughs>
3: favorite energy because
2: it's got dirty bird energy yeah it really yeah. does I fun yeah.
3: wild weird it, and
2: silly it was, and it's got energy. that uh that 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 thing i like the take an alarm clock and make it groovy thing yeah uh, which like I uh what do i what, what's the song i love like like the the fish are losing it or whatever yeah. has that alarm clock energy yeah. or whatever there's
3: a, there's something about uh, techno has this thing where sound design is this
2: dark yeah swollen
1: oh. thump yeah. And that's just like funny chirpy. Yeah. I really goofy. I that really has, that has dirty bird energy. I've yeah. played I've played some like dark uh, like ominous sounding techno at the end of some of these episodes already. I but there's nothing quite like a really chipper tune that just really kind of, like, like That's like, just like yeah like right like when you're bo- this like, not shit. in a drug way but when your body's just yeah. kind of rolling like you're just yeah. moving moving through it. That well you're going to like if, if somebody's playing this at a at a rave you're you're cruising around looking for your friend and you're just high-fiving yeah. folks. This is, yeah. this this is, is this like is cruising through on the, the shoulder yeah. like yeah. cheersing and yeah. people with yeah. the beer shit. clacking beers like pat and people on the shoulders be like
2: all ah, right yeah yeah right
1: dude yeah dude that's that music uh i love that that. rocks that's a great track yeah uh and this one is what to do another classic oh. I, 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 I. don't know what to do uh i believe I that's asked. him singing oh yeah uh i believe i i'm not sure i don't think that's a sample that's awesome um, i believe that is him saying i don't know what to do uh that is a super simple track just a bass like a drum machine and and that uh um repetitive um uh what to do that's sample got... over it and it it that that is that song is a complete journey
2: that guy that song has a vibes like it sounds like a i don't know what the right word is here but it's got vibes like um it sounds like that older chicago house we yeah. listen yeah. to but with a little bit more techno on top yeah. of it yeah but you can hear i mean it's weird like something like that you can like i can hear the chicago and detroit so i yeah. in that specific we, track that so sounds clearly. like ghetto tech it really yeah. does it does. so like dj assault yeah that
3: kind of stuff That yeah. that Ghetto Tech is is its own genre that if you're not totally. familiar with, you should go look up. It's incredible, but
1: <laughs> it's a Ghetto Tech is a whole world unto itself. It's it really it's it, a wild,
3: but it is it's a Detroit sound oh, yeah. and it's a Chicago sound and it's got I don't know so, that fast vocal sample chop at like a techno rhythm.
1: Yeah, uh, and that that um as the song goes that the chop of that the vocal sample lengthens out a bit until until you get the whole thing. Uh. But th- so there are two more tracks on this EP. You can find the whole thing on YouTube. Uh, we've mentioned this. Not, we've mentioned it today many episodes. I, but I want to say again, if you are interested but confused by, the, by what you just heard, uh, it really comes together. If you hear the entire arrangement, I love what to do, but it is difficult to find 15 seconds that accurately represents the whole vibe here. The beauty in this music is in the simplicity and hearing Tomas experiment with variation in the repetitiveness. It's the way he subtly tweaks certain aspects of the song to morph it into something new and exciting over the course of the entire track. So uh, uh, yeah, if you heard that 15 seconds and you're like, what the fuck are these nerds talking about? Go listen to the whole thing. Yeah.
2: (laughs) And also I think like taking one more option to point out again that, this is, I mean, we're in the still the the early days of this whole journey yeah. right now. I mean, we we don't even have we. I mean, this is this is not Daft Punk right now, but this is pre homework. But yeah, this is pre Daft Punk even ever putting out yeah. a
1: robot helmet still. So I think like again, to, this is pre. To, I mean, this is pre ninety five is is like the Daft yeah. Punk putting out the new wave. This is like yeah. they are so yeah very much figuring it out, and this music like giving context already. to what is
2: like what is going. on on you know this is not a sound of you know mainstream music in 93 or whatever you know 93 94 '95, and like summer
3: sanders on nickelodeon (laughs) (laughs) they're figuring it out
2: they're Ah. figuring it
1: out (laughs) i remember that but i think
2: it's, it's so crazy to hear this stuff that is now um you know 20 20 that is now like 20 five years old or whatever the hell, or even longer. Yeah. And to, you know, again, like, I think a lot of folks like myself, right. I, I'm, I'm the, I'm the newer, uh, the eyes of the newer fan of house music, right. It's, it's weird to hear this music and compare it to something in a different genre that I would like today. You know mm-hmm. what I mean? Right. Like, and I think that's another pitfall that a lot of folks who don't know how to appreciate house fall into when yeah. you say like if I say what's a, a classic house song like then you you know comparing that to like a new rock song or something right. you know I think it's a dangerous pitfall to to
1: hear shit without context which is another reason I'm really loving yeah. doing this uh there is a tracks on the rocks volume two that came out about three years later and that had uh club soda is a is a hit song off their turbo Uh, If you're a dance music fan but unfamiliar with Tomas' Roulette output, many of these tracks are tracks you know you know, but you're unsure uh, of where they're from. Uh, Because many of these songs are club anthems and you've undoubtedly heard them at parties before, like for example, 96's Spinal Scratch. Uh, I I think there's plenty of Daft Punk fans that don't, that are not familiar with their solo stuff. And there's the, uh, there's the hardcore people that absolutely do that already know everything we're saying here. But, but yeah, if you like dance music and you don't know the roulette label, you know this song because they, they press them to give them to their DJ friends. They got played and they just became part of the, the. Auditory lexicon of of this these raves, you know this song.
3: Absolutely, I think for some people Daft Punk, and this is not a slight. I think everyone should like everything for whatever reason, but like for some people, it is the narrative and the character and the brand of Daft Punk, and for some people, it's just the sound. Yeah, and I. It is fun that when you hear tunes like this, you can just hear that that's the sound. Yeah. Even if you don't understand Daft Punk, you hear that noise and you're like, oh, that's the thing I like. Yeah,
1: I do think uh, there are a lot of people that would be surprised that this is Daft Punk. And in many ways, I believe that th- that was intentional, uh, I, especially after hearing some of the things Tomas and others have said about Roulet. He wasn't necessarily making these records for distribution like for sales or for fans these these were small pressings passed around dj circles in paris london and miami djs around the uh, world heard their hero spinning these tracks ripped them and began playing them on their own sets this was tomas's answer to the limelight he had found himself in with daft punk just make cool shit with his friends that he wanted to hear at raves
2: so here's a question was i don't know if you know the answer to this question but i'm gonna ask it um was there any element of like treating this as like a pseudonym, where there was like some secrecy behind it to the public, or, or no, was it no, just if you look it at was the, wide open and known. Yeah, if you look
1: him. at okay. the if you look at like the twelve inch covers. Right. We'll talk about the design aspects of both because they both they yeah. both settled on a, a specific look for their shit, and all of their releases look the same. Yeah. But. Um, yeah, there's no secret about it. Okay. This was this the cover for this would have the roulette wheel, and it would say "roulette" over the top, and then it would say "Tomas Bangalter." There's no, Great. there's no, yeah, there's no secret. But it, it was also
3: not marketed on the back of Daft Punk. Yeah, it was, right. it was right. not totally, like totally. Yeah. from the minds of Daft totally. Punk. From he the minds, just, of right? Daft. I mean, you know what I mean, in? it's
2: similar to like, you know, I mean, there are there are writers who have a well known. Yeah. Pseudonym that is just a different style of writing and a
1: different style yeah. that they want to. Yeah, you know, Samuel know.
3: Clemens writes under the name Mark Twain. What? <laughs> I know. No, you yeah. wouldn't think they're the same. Guy. I don't.
1: Yeah, they they were not. They were not marketing it like that. They yeah. they had an entire I- idea for the the global marketing of the brand Daft Punk. They did not do any of that stuff with this. Yeah, they just that like this was his little pet project where he got to like fuck around with machines in his Great. room and put shit out like this and not have any of the pressure to make it perfect. Mm-hmm.
3: I get that. You I know, mean, like we, some
1: of these, like some of these roulette tracks and stuff, you can hear in the middle of it. Like that, like it just dropped, like, you know, like quick, yeah. like, like this they didn't like fuck, just, they didn't end up even making it perfect.
3: It's a business name for them to like, we have to physically buy all these records yeah. to put our songs on. I, I, I am fascinated this intersects with something we do a lot but it's like this is an artist who eventually gets burnt out on the administrative side (laughs) of the art stuff because we run into that too where it's like we are running creative theater stuff but also the administrative side can be very overwhelming sometimes (laughs) Yeah.
1: yeah one thing that uh the general artist is not necessarily great at his business
3: like general bureaucracy
1: yeah. <laughs> yeah yeah and i can totally understand him putting stuff cool stuff out with his friends and then being like we had to press four hundred thousand yeah, of I these to, and like, now i have to answer like, a the phone taxes. call eight
3: times a day to, to like about, tell people yeah. what like color to, to press about, like, the, rights, the like rights of course like, i'm gonna give it to yeah. someone else to like yeah. i'm gonna give it to virgin or whatever to prove this off,
1: point you know. prove this point that, and then they let Virgin sell 2 million of them. Yeah. There there were estimates. One, one, uh, one person that worked at Roulette estimated about 250,000. And one of the other guys was like, no, dude, it was like 400,000 for a tiny label whose express purpose was just to do cool shit with your friends. Like, that is such an overwhelming number. Uh, uh Yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. I but, mean,
2: I, I think it's also just a testament to the quality of the product that it, you know that it can without that being the purpose i mean imagine if their purpose was to take that and make it the biggest thing in yeah. the world you know what i mean imagine if they use that as a like single to, tune to
3: more than most of homework right that, that tune, i mean i agree with you
2: yeah that tune is my
3: I mean, it's just, one of my favorite chunks of a live 2007. Well, the, yeah. It's the thing yeah. that I keep in an, my DJ sets now. It's such an That's interesting
1: music sounds better with you. Yeah. Yeah. It's such an interesting when you hear what homework is and then that you can hear them developing that crisper glitzier sound, yeah. right? That becomes it's same with Crydemore stuff that we'll hear. Uh, homework is just this, this raw, dirty, like, auditory soundscape of things that they know are going to make people move in a dark club. And you, you could hear them become finding a crisper sound. Yeah. Uh, and then they completely turn that on its head with discovery and may, and bring it to a level, uh, a new, completely exciting level. Um, Tom Tomas also released some music from his friends and heroes. So after name dropping him on the Daft Punk song teachers, Tomas, Produced uh, a romantheny release on Roulet called Hold On.
4: When I feel less out and feel all hope is gone, I just put it in
2: and get lost in song. I think I'm gonna hold on. I think I'm gonna
4: hold on. Hold on, hold on, hold on. Yeah.
1: Mm. Who that's just classic that's just classic Chicago house shit. Yeah. Even though he's from New Jersey. <laughs> uh, yeah. We're gonna hear more about these guys working together with him uh, next week. Uh this was two years before the release of Discovery. In an interview from around this time, Tomas said he tried he had tried to meet Romanthony for a long time, but he was intimidated by him because this is one of their production heroes. Uh, as soon as they finally met, though, uh, they started working on collaborations. Hold on was the start of that, and obviously, one more time, sent into the, strat- the stratosphere. And I, I got oh, I forget that one more time is <laughs> Romanthony. Yeah. yeah, well, because yeah. they were. Uh, That's very. Funny. I'm going to hear more about. We're going to hear more about them working with him, why they respected him so much, and what they did with him uh, on Discovery next week. Because it's very in- interesting to me. Romanthony is not is not some like uh, well known entity (laughs) you know like especially especially in the 90s before discovery uh their connection to him is really fascinating to me so we'll we'll learn more about that next week i've been
3: really into a romanthony track called uh, it's just the same the classic mental dub and it's like a kind of a garage track that moves fast and i've been super into it there's no good like mp3s of it online yeah, so, that sound great a lot of, I there's think a, a lot bad of... youtube version if anyone listening has a 320 version of that song or it on vinyl and wants to rip it and send me a high quality of it i am having a lot of trouble finding that yeah, track so right right here now. we
1: go folks that is your uh your task out there if you are listening and have access to something like that please info at alive 2021.com and we're gonna get Devin hooked up with that. I think uh talking about a lot of a lot of his shit and a lot of stuff yeah. from this time th- that th- it doesn't exist
3: anymore. There's there's two copies of it on Discogs, but they are in the UK and it's
2: $30 shipping <laughs> for the 12-inch single. So if yeah. anyone
3: has that, once shoot us a good version of it, that would
2: rock. One of the, one of the things too again, like well, you talk about Romanthony and how Romanthony is an unknown. Like I mean still to today, but definitely before discovery. I mean not unknown, unknown. Yeah. But you know what I'm saying. But again, uh, it's, it's but, the same. He's, it's from, the same. It's,
1: he's from America. And even people that love this music here are, are you know, are going to have uh, a deep knowledge of him. It, it takes it takes these two French uh, music nerds to introduce the world. And they have to be like, shout it from a rooftops like this. Yeah. he is your, like he's an American. He, you should know this guy. But I think
2: that that's another again, another testament to what we talked about pretty much every week so far which is the boys unironically liking what they like yeah. and and trying to work with and learn from that yeah you know whether it's old disco samples whether it's directors like michelle gondry whether it's uh, artists like rome anthony again it's it's another example of them finding something they like uh, regardless of, of stature or or where they are or who they are and, and then Trying to take some essence and learn from that essence to better themselves. And again, I think like that's kind of the narrative I'm seeing week to week mm-hmm. every time we talk about this stuff over and over. What is what 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 is Daft Punk? Again, you've said the Renaissance man, they're they're yeah. they're able to recreate and learn from everything they do and they're interested in, and that's really fucking cool. Hell
1: yeah. Absolutely. Uh, so this is probably the weirdest thing <laughs> that Tomas ever used roulette uh, uh, for. Um, he produced a soundtrack for a little-known film called Irreversible. Uh, this is the first time either the boys worked on a cinematic score. It obviously won't be the last, but I will not be watching this movie. <laughs> um, I don't. I have no interest in it. Um, because, uh, it's by filmmaker Gaspar Noe or Noe. uh, he's working in a genre known as cinema du corps, cinema of the body. Okay, okay. It is, uh, Roger Ebert said that this film is so violent and cruel. Most people will find it unwatchable. Wow. Um, I found some descriptions of some of the stuff. That you see in it, and uh, it's, dis- it's like just disgusting things that I don't want to talk about or, or or think about or or see. Uh, for the first sixty minutes of the film. Gaspar, the filmmaker, overlays a barely perceptible but aggravating bass rumble that was recorded for Go's purposes at 27 hertz. The frequency used by riot police to quell mobs by inducing unease and after prolonged exposure, physical nausea. Wow. he, He put that over almost the entire movie and then Tomás... Tomas came in and his role was to dub in sound designs, beats, drones, riffs, pitch slides, many of which he performed live on. On set, on DJ deck decks, as the shoot went on. Wow! So this is bizarre. This
3: is some of the most art school garbage.
1: I've I, ever, right? I know, yeah. right? Hey, I'm
3: so, gonna go DJ to this disgusting,
1: disgusting <laughs> film, film where this guy, this guy's produced the bass rumble already. It's physically, it's scientifically yeah, designed I'm, to I'm, make people I'm sick. I'm hanging
3: out for the Brown Note the movie. <laughs> I've been to shit like this.
1: <laughs> yeah, I mean, I, I'm starring in Brown Note the movie. um tomas himself said of irreversible it is the most shocking and disturbing uh, film i've ever seen in my life it's unbearable it's horrible it's violent all the way it pretty it's pretty much like how violence is when it's real and happening to you wow Uh, uh yeah he went on everything that i've done so far on an artistic level has been intended for fun with irreversible, I wanted to see if I could have the same success expressing myself from a negative perspective. Wow.
2: I mean, honestly, it's a complete It's a nice complete, to hear him say yeah,
3: everything it, I've done so far has been for fun. It's good to hear him say that. Yeah. It really yeah. is.
1: And like I mean They they I, know that their yeah. their music is to make people feel good. They know it. And it's it's it incredibly uh this, this is interesting his as Chris an, Gaines. Yes, yeah, it, <laughs> and absolutely also like, true. What, what
2: year is this now?
1: This was like '99, I think. Was this yeah. I this mean, so out.
2: like, he's still a young guy
1: at this point in time. Yeah, you know? and I mean, like, and like, so, uh, uh, what an artistic challenge to be like, I make I make music to make people move their butts, and now what if I uh, what if I make music to make people? Yeah, queasy? this
3: is '99. He's. 24 years yeah. old yeah I mean like so the, uh, we'll sure. play it. he's noodling Let's around see. and doing 24 year old so stuff the, yeah this it sounds like some 24 music. year old stuff
1: <laughs> this is the queasy music this is the one of the tracks off his soundtrack and it's called Rectum
2: great
3: So, I've li- no, I've listened to more absolutely. disorienting noises from Daft Punk. Yeah. <laughs> that was not. That was it's, fine. It's unsettling, though,
1: and I, I think he achieves yeah. his goal of making it music. Is an, that, it is you're anxious like, music. What? But what I also homework I also, has chunks of it that oh, yeah. are way if, more crazy. If that <laughs> just, is loud, just, like better based yeah. on the bottom, <laughs> like, so you can dance to it, if it better. That thump was under. loud,
2: though. That that low rumble over some type of real system or real speakers would just induce you can hear it just i mean it's not that loud in our ears right now but like that low rumble would be like would just be terrible that yeah. that
1: that pacing and that low rumble and that weird brown note the movie brown note the movie <laughs> Yeah, for absolutely. Sure. uh before we move on to Gimon solo work uh there's one more roule project that we have to mention uh Daft Punk manager Pedro Winter introduced the fellas to Stefan Keme around 93 When uh, they were all teenagers noodling around the rave scene, K May started working uh, in the A and R department at Virgin and producing music under the name DJ Falcon. In '99, he released his first EP on Roulette. It's called "Hello, My Name Is DJ Falcon," and here's one. Let's just play one of his solo tracks. Which one are you gonna
3: play? Homecoming. Oh, I thought I was. Because there's a, there's one I have recently added to my music library permanently because I really liked it. Which one? First.
1: First, yeah, they're all great. First, I I was really impressed with yeah. that tune. This is homecoming. Yeah, what I love that.
3: That's so happy. None of this is available. All of the most of the Roulet stuff is not available for purchase cuz it was vinyl yeah. only.
1: And the, like uh da- the Daft Punk stuff was not the only stuff to fucking explode when they bro- right. broke up. The the Roulet stuff on the Roulet stuff on Discogs exploded. The Crydomore stuff on people uh, people have that. there's something about Daft Punk that just makes super fans want to have their stuff if and you, all of this stuff you became incredibly expensive all this
3: stuff if you bought this record and it's it's not available for purchase otherwise if you have a good upload of this please get it out there on the ether because yeah. they're like i don't the the versions of this uh that are online on youtube and stuff are not Quality enough
1: to yeah. uh, spin like at blast. the club, yeah. yeah. And
3: like, I, there are some tracks on this yeah. that I really
1: want. Yeah, there's like, there's a difference between like partying to music on your Bluetooth speaker and like tr- playing something on like our sound system at the theater. These these tracks are just not gonna. Yeah, yeah. I, I pulled it up. Here's first. This is the one. This is the one that I Devin's been obsessed track, with.
4: Man. Oh, so yeah. This,
1: Darren, this is what all their releases look mm-hmm. like. Uh, Ooh. Um, isn't the Together
2: look – doesn't Together look like that? The, all the ro- – yeah. all the roulette. So, roulet, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's why I know – Every I, I, single, I know yeah. that look because of Together, which, yeah. like, Together's uh, – we'll get there, I'm sure. Uh, they all look like that, yeah. Right.
1: After the success uh, – Uh, of his own music on the Roulette label, uh, he started to talk about collaborating with his buddy, Thomas.
0: I was born the second of January and Thomas is born the third of January. So Thomas said, okay, let's do the track between the second and the third. Just the idea, it's just typical, uh, Thomas. It's just uh, so typical, you know, looking for this special moment and everything. We did this like in 2000, so I'm talking like 13 uh, years ago. During that day, I think we spent like one or two hours really like making music, and the rest was just dancing, enjoying, and listening to some, some music, you know? And somehow, when you know there's a sample, it just click.
1: That That's our
0: energy right there. Yeah, that right. Really they got yes.
1: together in Tomás' bedroom, they danced around the two of them just acting goofy, and uh, and a couple hours of that, they they locked into um a sample, uh, and they don't say which one uh came out first, uh, uh or, or what um, but uh, they do release two songs together uh, under the name together. The first song is also called together, and it's part of um, that's part of the uh encore on a live 2007 so this is the song that's such a groove that
2: that
3: same the tempo oh. and complementary harmonic signature to music sounds better yeah, with yeah. you that's, and that's why, why they pair yeah i
2: mean and it's why they both
3: fucking. It is the bum, other
2: the. Is
3: the other half is the other half of bum, music bum. better with Absolutely, you. Absolutely, man. So amazing.
2: I yeah. agree.
1: um They also put to uh, put a song out called "So Much Love to Give." That's that's probably my my favorite non Daft Punk Tomas song yeah. is that one. Really, I think so. It's just the way that each successive build just po- that hoists it up a little after more
3: after the irreversible stuff. <laughs> yeah, still- after,
1: I, okay. Wreck them one, wreck <laughs> them one. I, that one. So we we were talking
3: about a The quote talks about it. Uh, you know, we like we were dancing and hanging out. It was our birthdays, and we spent like an hour or two making music. I think about how many hours you put into a tune, right? Because the good ones, the great ones, the ones that really hit, especially in sampled music, when it happens, it happens in like an hour. Yeah, it just yeah. happens. And then there's sometimes you spend 30 hours laboring over chopping stuff yeah. and it never clicks. This is a, I don't know, like if you told me that tune was made in 35 minutes, yeah. I'd be like, yeah. yeah. Like my favorite Dilla songs, he'll be like, yeah, that took eight minutes to do this beat. But when yeah, it clicks, it clicks. I've heard.
1: I found quotes from these guys talking about how, like, yeah, like once when, when we find it, it can come together very quickly. But it's it's it could be it could be a year and a half of listening to fifty songs a day, yeah, to he, to hear the right right two seconds. So they're just scouring over all this old music, and it it, it um especially for the Daft Punk samples that they use, um, it, it could be it could be months in between finding something that they're going to connect with next.
3: You, you, yeah. you
1: can stretch it out.
3: Yeah. You can make it faster. You can pitch it up or pitch it down. You can chop it up into 40 pieces. You can noodle around with something you think is going to sound good for a long time. Yeah. And then sometimes it just, it's there yeah. and you're good. It, Absolutely.
1: It, um, it's wild. It really Yeah. And I think, I think with their solo stuff, with these label projects, they allow themselves to not not need such a perfect moment, you know? They they yeah. they like experimented like a lot of this is less structured, less um there's less pressure on them to come up with the perfect moment to sample something and, and create something completely uh finished here they're just like noodling around and they're
3: less structured song-wise oh yeah like together together is is a lot like music sounds better with you aside from its tempo and key but also it's just six and a half minutes of that groove yeah you know it's not later daft punk will become incredible at structuring these loops and grooves yeah. like a pop song in a way that is they, palatable to the radio.
1: They we'll talk about it next week, but they they are, yeah, they they became more interested in in experimenting with house music traditions and norms in more of a in more of a normal song structure. Sure. Yeah, uh, which is still something that I think a lot of people, I would. I, I. I'm. I'm incredibly interested in that idea. Like dance music ideas in more of a traditional song structure. Uh, those. Those always kind of perk me up a little bit. Uh, so much love to give is probably even though even though together might have stood the test of time longer. Music love. Uh, so much love to give charted in eight countries. That was their wow. biggest I hit. Really? Yeah. So I didn't know that. they. They. Correct me if I'm wrong.
2: They. The artist's name on these tracks is Together, yeah. right? And and okay, cool. Yeah. Just make making sure that that's uh, the name that they use. And used. talking about lyrics,
3: um, English is not their native language. Right. All of their all of their lyrics are in English, and all of their things are kind of these like short, repetitive statements. There is something incredibly powerful about just putting out a song that's like are we in this alone or are we in this together? Yeah. And then repeating the word together for seven yeah. minutes. That's rave energy. What a powerful like together. We're yeah. together. Yeah. It's so simple. It's so and it, it, communal. When it's you such
1: hit a- that feeling in it, when you're in a big sweaty crowd and, and the music is that happy and it's telling you that it's you're screaming, all together we're together you're just in really yeah you it's can it's very powerful everybody. but the other
2: side of that too is like talking about uh, those two just hanging out and dancing together there is also some of my favorite moments in in my life with you guys is watching alive 2007 oh, yeah. Yeah. doing just that in specifically the together moment yeah. and the encore where it's together. like it it, it is if you guys out there have never just uh, turned on some jams and grooved and danced with your best friends, I would highly recommend it uh, <laughs> because it's worth it.
1: Uh, who among us have never danced <laughs> with our best friends? So <laughs> there's a, one, one really interesting thing about these two guys working together is they noodled around with a bunch of stuff. These are what they gave to the world, but they they became known when they DJ together and specifically when DJ Falcon was off on his own they became known around the scene as the guys who were spinning um in their live shows uh, a sample of Valerie by Steve Winwood <laughs> yeah. uh uh call on me call on me yep. uh they like it was a known entity uh of their sets that th- that that they were going to play that um People people wanted them to release it. They never did. Uh two years later, uh, um, <laughs> Eric Prids released an almost identical sample of the song that they that they would uh, play at their parties and his track, Call on Me became a another a, a smash hit yeah. worldwide. Everyone knows it. And I but not many people know that uh two years before he put that out, uh, together, uh Tomas and DJ Falcon had Almost the exact same song, uh, which is pretty crazy.
2: What's what's they don't.
1: There's no I've heard. There's no recording. Yeah, there there is. Uh, Of uh, their version. I'll play. I wasn't going to
3: play it, but I will. Oh, I didn't think that I didn't think it showed up. Uh, What's
2: really cool to think about while you're looking for that is like it's funny because like, you know, as as I'm getting more and more into house music, I'm listening to so much house music. But what's crazy is you can hear what. All of these artists were listening to yeah. by what they're putting so, in. So absolutely. it's very funny yeah. to think about the fact that they're I've heard yeah listening to this other music that isn't this electronic yeah. genre and then they're cutting it together to make this new thing.
1: Again, very I, cool. I have I have heard um uh DJ Falcon talk about Eric Pridd's version. There's no ill will. Right. It's like it it was like uh, parallel thinking, you know, yeah. whatever. Uh this is this is their version. This is this is DJ Falcon and Tomas together. Um, uh, it's got a good build. I mean, it's it's, it's strikingly similar. to I mean, Eric even Pritz. the build is strikingly similar yeah. to the one that I'm thinking of. I mean, but this, this definitely is, has more. Uh, I will say Eric Prydz is much fuller. Like like they like he produced it to be a single. Yeah. This is they never they never they never finished right this. No, it's just a groove for the set. Yeah. I'm going to fast forward a little bit. Yeah. yeah. <laughs>
2: I, I would think this is the other one. I would yeah. if I heard it.
1: Yeah, because he even has that part in there. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, just let's just, – just, 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 we're here. Why don't we just uh... – do you know where I heard
3: that for the first time? Where? Was uh the website you're the man now <laughs> That that's a that's a relic of a different era yeah, of the internet. Yeah,
1: that's I've not heard about that, that site That is in a it long was a time. site where it could it could pa-
3: uh, pair 6 seconds of music with 6 seconds of animation Yeah. and yeah. I remember that song from it. Wow. Uh here
1: we go folks. This is Eric Prid's version just just so we can hear the difference. <laughs> Strikingly, Yeah, I mean it's He even got that part. I will say it feels what you're, this feels more.
3: There's probably 2004. There's more, there's more behind his version. There's more
1: behind his version uh, because it's a finished product. It
2: definitely feels like more early 2000s yeah dancey than then it does the, yeah. the other one definitely feels more like uh it's like where there's <laughs> for the club with, with these
3: samples and stuff it's like where there's smoke there's fire yeah, yeah. you know I, like i've been obsessed with um this tune called black Chess by Life," like that i heard in a set from uh, tomas and and dj falcon and cassius and david getta from around this era right so i looked up the song and i looked up the sample And then I looked up the album that the sample was from. And I was just listening through the album. I was like, I like sonically how these drums and how this guitar sounds and stuff. I'm going to sample something from it. Yeah. So I found, um, I found like another chunk from the album I liked from this song, uh, Betty Davis Eyes, which is from this. um, Got Betty Davis Eyes. Yeah. From this Kim Carnes record (laughs) where they had sampled. the, the sampled I like from this black Chess tune from all these, you know, yeah. together sets. And then I was listening to a different Tomas set from, you know, like two years later. Yeah. And he was just playing that chunk of the song that I was noodling around with over some other stuff. Yeah. And I was like, oh, when you find a, a, mm-hmm. a, a thing. Yeah. I don't, like, like, like I, think I said, there's no ill will. There's no ill so will behind cool. him.
1: They think it's cool that he did something with it. And like... In ev- every summer, there are there's things that DJs around the world latch onto that become like yeah. like you you don't hear that it's one a bonobo yeah language yeah like you know I wouldn't necessarily be my first thought when I hear that one bonobo song that it's going to be a party anthem right but the summer that that song was popular. Every single festival DJ in the world somehow incorporate. Like, how am I gonna be enough? That was in every single, but every single body. I like it, 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 I don't know. It's, it's like people it, latch the, onto stuff.
3: The part I like. I I understand why it's incredible to leave a lasting legacy of albums. But there's also that part that I like where it's like this these 3 months we're all just going to yeah. keep doing this right. weird yeah. sound with yeah. each yeah. other for Well a while. and I think th- th- cool. there's
2: the other side of of that as well is like you know if we go we we talk about Della a bunch on here yeah. I I know like like crate digger kind of like Producers yeah. who will buy albums that they know Dilla has sampled. Exactly. Of. You know, and that is a yeah. huge thing. This is an album. It's a rare album. I found it. Dilla sampled this. Let's go find more stuff. I, I wasn't five that's a six. whole thing.
1: I know Tomas sampled this Steve Winwood <laughs> album. Yeah, what are I are you, mean. Talking but about that, I, I would, I, would love the music. Yeah. A lot of the first
3: albums I bought, like the first jazz albums I got into, yeah. like Jazz Samba Encore by Steve Getz and stuff. I bought because a famous Dilla sample was. Yeah, there on that exactly,
2: record. and it, I mean it's like that's like, it, it. I it's a smoke, smoke and fire yeah. situation if again. There's something good if there. There's, something there's a good lot there. Good there. Let's there's you know because quite often a sample is about the mood created in this yeah, specific the moment, sonic and that quality. you know that that. the 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 sonic quality and just the feeling the emotion from that and you know the emotion if done well is probably present throughout the whole song or other tracks as well on these albums um dj falcon
1: dj falcon has worked with the boys in some capacity for years now he's got really cool stories uh he um he was a collaborator on the closing track of random access memories contact um, snippets of which the boys have been playing for 20 years almost yep. so that that track and specifically uh, dj falcons work on it goes back so far and it's so cool that they like whatever piece of that became contact is something that's been in their heads for almost two decades he also traveled with the boys in 2007 as the official tour photographer so like that was his job for a year and a half which is awesome. He took all the pictures in the booklet that came with the special edition vinyl release of Alive two thousand and seven. So, um, if, if you have if you have that out there, that booklet is all DJ Falcon material. That rocks. Yeah, very cool. And you are a big fan uh, of the few sets out there of together with Cassius. Oh my God. Yeah. Um, um, I didn't, I didn't research any of those, but you, uh, are, I didn't like look I've, any I've stuff been, up about them, but they're awesome.
3: I've been obsessed with this. Yeah. I've, I've been listening. The thing that, uh, uh, really attracted me to Daft Punk again, you know, it was alive 2007 and getting to spend time with some of the live sets with them over the years as Daft Punk or solo has been incredible. And there is a wonderful four-hour set. Of four Cassius hours, and folks. And DJ Falcon and Tomas, uh, I think with David Guetta opening, which is wild. Yeah. And they're spinning music, b 2 b to b and also DJ Falcon. And I think the other two are playing keyboard over parts of it. Yeah. And they're doing some recreations of tracks live. And it's like, I don't know, that, that's been so influential to me in terms of just like the house music I listened to over the years—it's—it's it's yeah. incredible. Look
1: it up. You—if you search like together and Cassius, you'll find it. It's yeah. four-hour set. It's awesome. Uh, and we'll—we'll—I—I'll find a sp- space for it in one of these episodes. But there's a fun story about Tomas kind of discovering David Guetta. <laughs> so we'll, really, we'll, yeah. Oh, that's wild. Uh, we'll talk about. We'll. Uh, I don't have it for this episode, but we'll talk about that eventually because it's a cool story. Um. Uh. So, moving on, Cry to More. Uh, which is a chop up of a French phrase that means "cry of love." Was founded in ninety seven, so a couple years I've after. Made a cry of love or two. <laughs> I've made. You know what? I've been known to make a cry of love or yeah. two. <laughs> I, <laughs> <laughs> you know. After what I'm I should
3: about. be asleep. You talk about. But I can't fall asleep. Uh, God, for yet, the love <laughs> of God,
1: that's what you mean. Yeah, right? exactly. I, why can't I sleep? Yeah. for the love of God. How
3: do I, you know, yeah, fall asleep? I, I, you I say you know, for know, the t- love of God. Talk about. It. No, 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 no! I don't know about that.
1: i go to church. I don't go to church. I don't cry. Love. Yeah. If there's anything that we do is go to church. For me, going to church is watching
3: 2007. Yeah. For me, going to church is. brother.
1: For me, going to church is talking too much about Daft Punk. Uh, so founded in 97. Uh, and it was uh they announced the uh the creation of the label with um, the release of their first uh, record uh, Santa Claus slash holiday on ice. The tracks were released under the name Le Night Club, which is the pseudonym for Guimon and label co-founder Rico the Wizard, aka Rico or Eric Chadivalier. The duo became the driving force behind the Crydomor output under the name uh, under the Le Night Club banner. Uh, but as we'll get to, they brought other influential and uh, artists and friends into their circles. So this was uh, this was their um, introduction to the world, Santa Claus.
3: Woo, the first right. time I heard uh, both these tracks, I was a little disappointed they were not Christmas-themed. I know, <laughs> uh, right? <laughs> I was like, oh, it's funny if they put out Christmas house music. If it, if it came out with, like, jingles. Yeah, uh, <laughs> like, it, this is groovy tunes, and I love it. It's great. It's one of my favorite sounds of this era, but I really, when I first saw it, I'm like, oh, they... Put out Christmas house music. <laughs> like. That rocks. This Christmas. is going to be something I put on my Christmas board. There's got to
1: be Christmas-themed house music out there somewhere. And Some if there's not, stupid... don't
3: don't. We've got it. It's guys, our thing. I, we're don't, over, don't take we're, the idea. We're
1: well over an hour into this. If you're listening to this, I would hope that you respect what we're doing here. If you, you steal our idea, steal for, our idea, Christmas idea for Christmas, house, Christmas music, house music, I will. uh I We will get a lot of
3: analytics on the listeners from this. Know. If you steal it. We'll no. be a trador style. We'll know. <laughs> Do not just respect don't, what we're doing don't, here. Don't, don't respect Christmas house
1: music. <laughs> don't, don't steal. Respect what we're doing here and don't steal our idea for Christmas house music. <laughs> oh man, uh, a dance music Santa Claus music. <laughs> Santa Claus, Santa Claus music. <laughs> um, a dance music YouTuber named Pad released a video called "How One Half of da- uh, Daft Punk Created House." Um, Sorry, how one half of Daft Punk created French house history. And there's some great info in it. We're going to use a a few clips from his video, but you should definitely check out the whole thing. Um, As we have already established, while Thomas and Guymon are both tight-lipped, Guymon is by far the quieter of the two. Um, So there's actually very little out there about the history of the label, um, uh, other than like the actual music itself and I this is that's exactly how Gimon wanted it he doesn't you know he didn't want to make a big deal out of anything it's so
2: funny to me because like a label especially then is such a brand right it's such yeah. and, like that's what makes labels work is the brand like again yeah. we talk like we're gonna get way into the future here, but we talk about Dirty Bird you know a Dirty Bird song because of the brand of it or yeah. whatever it's so funny to me that uh Crydomore is is like is
1: Guimon's tight lipped like yeah, thing. Well, so, and it's just, just so, I mean, just th- letting the music speak. We'll get or into whatever. it. We'll get into it. They create a brand For and sure. there is definitely a more sound. Yes. But they just don't talk about exactly. it. it exactly. Yeah. And it's funny. Even even Eric Shadevier, he doesn't talk about it. Yeah. Are, he just,
3: w- we have a a level of abstraction from what record label means. Right. Because we like listen to music on our phones and shit. But like what is a record label? It's literally the yeah, name the you're going to print on the label of your 12-inch. Yeah. You have to. You have to
1: print a name on Yeah. yeah. So this is, uh, as Pad Channington puts it, Where Christo had to be a little more careful with his involvement and experimentation in Daft Punk due to its already established success and not wanting to potentially mess that up, the Nightclub was a fun little side piece for him to kind of try anything he wanted with. A more low-key project for him to run his imaginations loose on with let's care for a screw up in in this entire half an hour YouTube video he's wearing a Tomas helmet yeah. so he might be Chad Pennington there under we there go. he might be uh who knows at the time Gimon said, we had been making music as Daft Punk for a really long time already. Since then, along with Daft Punk, I know it's two not really, years. two years. Know. Yeah, what are you talking you're about? 20. You're 20. Your two 20. years is a tenth of your life. Like, that's fine. <laughs> yeah, okay. At, at that point, when you're 21, <laughs> uh, two years is a long time. I've been in
3: Daft Punk most of my life. <laughs> one
1: year. <laughs> uh, since then, along with Daft Punk, we've worked a little bit, but the bulk of the work has been touring, dealing with visuals and plenty of other things, not the music. So oh when you know uh, um so he he continues so when you know because of that you'll always uh you'll be away from the music a little bit it's really healthy to have a little organization on the side with the same circuit as uh, all the underground records to produce for clubs you know yeah so at this point in 97 they released homework and they're doing all the stuff that they you know, they're touring, they're enjoying that, but they're doing the press and they're figuring this out and they're doing the videos. And he's like, yeah, Crydomore is a chance for him to get back down to basics and just make music. And as we'll hear, uh, uh, we'll hear a bunch of his, uh, his specifically La Nightclub tracks, uh, uh, at the end of this, uh, they were way less polished than Daft Punk stuff. He's just like m- finding cool sounds and He's not worrying about making it something like perfect. He's just he's just putting He's shit out. the
3: shorter of the two. Yeah. And the quieter of the two. Yeah. He's they're the their pen and teller. <laughs>
1: <laughs> if only Tomas was fatter. <laughs> he had a ponytail coming out of his, his helmet. Yeah. Uh, Kimon is, is, <laughs> is really the teller of Daft Punk. Honestly. Yeah. Absolutely. He's the Raymond Teller. You listen, like I um, I found uh, a recently undiscovered or uh, um, unreleased 2001 interview from them, and it's like an hour long. And I think Gimon says like eight words <laughs> in the whole thing. There's this is journalist talking to the these guys, and it's just Thomas. That, that, that's the way they want it, though. Like, um. Tomas. You have to will, be this tall to speak. Yeah, yeah. Like Tomas will give Guimon an opportunity to speak if it's something. And you when they're interviewing, you can absolutely tell when it's something that Guimon is excited to talk about. Because he'll he will open up and um uh he he'll talk more, he'll be more verbose about their video projects uh or specific um specific things he'll open up about. But he is perfectly happy to let Tomas be the voice of the, the band. <laughs> if he if he's if he're if in an interview and he's not interested in speaking, he will just literally just sit there with like his his hand on his cheek and just like wait for it to be over. Uh interestingly, both labels cultivated a simple aesthetic that makes it uh really easy to this day to recognize one of their releases. Roulette has a mustard background with a roulette table. More is a black coin pressed with an old looking seal and it's usually on a red background ketchup and mustard ketchup and mustard there it is mm-hmm. um so almost every uh tr- release is-, is that there's a couple with different backgrounds one of the waves albums has like a beach background it's still got the black coin though um yeah cry was run more like a traditional label than roulette uh it was a launching pad for people uh close to Gimon. Uh, Paul Dehomm Christo, the younger brother of our main golden boy, was uh was playing rock music with his friend Romain Seau before the release of Homework and they both kind of um discovered a love of dance uh, the dancier side of music uh uh with Homework. And Cradamore gave them a place to put tracks out. Paul, uh his DJ name was Play Paul. That's, that's Gimon's brother? Play Paul is Dion's brother. Those the Play Paul tracks are my favorite. Cry yeah. and More things, yeah, they're era. great, right?
3: Yeah, Play Paul. Spaced is- out two or whatever is my favorite track from. Cry yeah, and More.
1: absolutely. That's wild. I didn't know that. Yeah, that's Paul. The Paul Cristo. He's still out there. He uh, he's a producer. He still makes tracks. He does a lot of scoring work now. Um, so he's out For there.
3: Like- volleyball games and yeah, stuff. Yeah, he he keeps the score for a lot of volleyball <laughs> games. <laughs> uh
1: Seau, um so he's play Paul sayow is Raw Man and they did a bunch of duo work under the name The Buffalo Bunch as well. So yeah, this is a track that um Devin might remember uh, might know it's spaced out by Paul, uh, Play Ooh. Paul.
3: Yeah, that's his brother. That rips. Not even as a bit. That is a great song. Spaced out two. Oh, is a different sequel one to it. Is <laughs> incredible.
1: Uh, the one starring LeBron. Yeah. yeah the... Spaced out. The, spaced out a new legacy. I downloaded. I guess I didn't. I uh, uh, yeah. I didn't realize that there were
3: two of them. We don't have to play it. It doesn't matter. But I just I I, do- I was listening to a long mix of this stuff, and I found the track, and I downloaded both of them, trying to figure out which one I liked. It's very cool to put out a a sequel to your (laughs) song.
1: That's really funny. Yeah. Blink 182 did it with the anthem and the anthem part two. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, Blink 182 is a sequel to Blink 181. (laughs) Yeah. Yeah. There's like 180 other ones before that. Yeah. They all died in the lab. (laughs) (laughs) I remember being in eighth grade and trying to figure out what the 182 meant. And if you looked online, it was how many blowjobs Tom's grandpa got during World War II. That's a fact. That's a fact. That's a fact.
3: Uh, alongside, eyes
1: couldn't get enough of um, <laughs> kissing each <laughs> other. <back then. laughs> uh, alongside, play Paul and Raw Man. Other French artists like Archigram, D Lat, The Eternals, all got their first chance at the Crydemore label. As Gimon and Rico, the Wizard, were trying to cultivate a specific sound and aura um, uh, with their label. Uh, but Giman also used the launch of his uh, Crydomore to rope some of his heroes and influences into his sphere. The second release on Crydomore was from Chicago house legend Paul Johnson, who was famously the first musician name-dropped in Teachers, the Daft Punk song. And this is his Crydomore track, White Winds. Absolutely. So noth- nothing from Crydomore reached the stratosphere of, of um of the Roulette stuff. As far as I could tell, nothing ever like charted like even that, that um together song did. But these again are songs that DJs from around this time like they wore out the vinyl yeah. playing in clubs, all of this stuff. Uh Guiman also had an opportunity to welcome another house hero into the Daft Punk sphere. Asking him to provide a remix of Intergalactic Disco a La Night Club track on the fourth Cry to More release. This is DJ Sneak. Um a yes, another legend who the boys love and name dropped in teachers. Uh, so this is his remix of the La Night Club track, Intergalactic Disco. <laughs>
3: You know, I, I know that they, they don't want to be known for their marketing prowess, but it is a really smart move to put out a, a gigantic bat signal beacon listing the names of everyone you love oh, and yeah. want to work with. Because after that, they get to work with everyone they want to work with. It's yes. a great – you're like, hey, here's a a sonic
1: call that I love all this stuff. And it must have felt so cool for somebody like DJ Sneak – who is a such a respected dance music person to find out that like these little French, uh, these guys, French guys who have gotten their names into the cultural zeitgeist are turning down Madonna and yeah. they're like, we want to work with you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, uh, and they do. Um, so we'll talk about it next week too. Um, uh, even though they had find, like made a little bit of a name for themselves, there were these people that they wanted to work with on homework who just, it wasn't going to happen. Like right. like DJ sneak is not going to work with two people on their debut record, no matter what. No. But they, they, and also
3: like are any of at the time logistically, are any of these Chicago and Detroit people yeah. going to go over there to go noodle around on some album yeah. in a kid's bedroom? Yeah. yeah. So yeah.
1: so the, the entire, the artwork for homework Cost more to produce than the record Yeah Uh, I believe it um, Which they will completely You know uh, By the end They're spending Well over a million dollars To make their record uh, Ram
3: And only $800,000 on the artwork
1: Yeah Yeah Uh. (laughs) DJ Sneak makes a um, cameo In the Burning video That we saw Yep Uh, um, And his track I didn't know this until this week Sneak's a freak His track That was The boys have said That that was an inspiration For the song Burning. Specifically, oh, that can, was like a I jumping off. yeah. Yeah, I didn't think about that. Um, um, he also did a commissioned remix of uh, Burning for the Fellas not too long after his work on the Crydemore release. Uh, he DJed along Tomas and Guimon at a party in Ibiza. And after the set, they asked if they wanted to work together, and he said yes. And what uh, eventually happened was he wrote the lyrics for Digital Love, yeah. There it oh, is. cool! Um yeah, so um that's that's a funny thing to like he didn't he didn't wor- work on any of the music but he wrote all of the digital of lyrics. Uh um that this release specifically Intergalactic Disco pad chennington says that this is kind of like the minute the moment that uh solidified their their sound this is where right here we really begin to see the distinct beginnings of cryomore's labels specific sound come into action a blending of tropical atmospheres mesmerizing sample loops and a usage of bit crushing to really saute tracks into an original sound for the label I love sautéing tracks. That's like one of my favorite dinners. We don't. Uh, you don't hear as much
3: uh, bit crushing in it, but tropical house is very much its own genre yeah. now. Yeah, and like I think that this owes is, a lot to that. Probably, I think right? that
1: this is probably uh, a big start to that sound. Yeah. Is this label specifically? Um, and a lot of the, the nightclub stuff, um, uh, itself. Uh, and yeah, let's get to it. So of their, uh, on top of their regular so releases, on,
3: like nightclub. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
1: like nightclub yeah. when you go to a nightclub, I just got, night, I'm getting
3: that in night real K. time. K. They,
1: yeah. <laughs> you're getting that in real time. Uh, I've read
3: name... La night like the nightclub, but I'm like, Oh, <laughs> I'm hearing it now. It's and now, night, and now that we're talking about it. It's yeah. like a nightclub, like a
1: disco, like a nightclub. Yeah. I've just got that. So, Kiman <laughs> 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 fame said that they worked really hard to come up with the name "Darlin," which was just the name of yeah. a Beach Boys uh, Beach Boys track, and that the Daft Punk thing came together because of that review. I wonder how how long it took them to put a K in front of nightclub.
3: They paid a (laughs) hundred guys like a ton of hours in the lab like all at the super computer they're all at like like
1: blackboards like writing it out like these crazy (laughs) formulas trying to figure it out what if we just put a k on the front holy shit shit. uh on top of a thousand french dollars (laughs) do you thousand french dollars uh on top of their regular releases Cry to More has two compilations and it's just like everything from the the two different eras uh, uh waves it was re or it was mixed by La Nightclub, released in 2000 um, the whole things on YouTube too um if you really want to get a good feel for the Cry to More record label as a whole just listen to uh waves front to back um and Waves 2 ended up there that was their last release as a record label. It was mixed by Archigram instead of Le Night Club and re- was um, released in 2003. Both of these compilations are available on YouTube as I said um and uh yeah, but let's let's just listen to a, a bunch of stuff from Le Night Club specifically just so we can hear what Gimon was up to and we could hear that Cry to more sound kind of come into its own. This is a track called Hysteria, one of their best. Yeah. yeah. There's a jauntiness yeah. to it, there's a jangliness to it, and there's an overall... Just happiness to Night Club stuff. I, do,
3: I don't mean this is a bit. I think I my favorite club by Night Club is Hysteria Two. <laughs> really? I don't. Yeah. Uh, I, I I'm I'm not joking. I think.
1: Also, again, my my favorite song is that version too. I they uh, all right. Let's hear. It. This is Hysteria. <laughs> this is Hysteria Two, the sequel. All right. Yeah. It's almost like a remix. Yeah, it is. It's um, just a rework. Yeah, I but love that's it. It's just
3: very funny that both times we've listened to tunes that I... <laughs> my favorite thing is that tune number two. <laughs> I, there, are, there are not a lot of other songs I listen to where it's like this two. Yeah. My
2: favorite uh, my favorite song by The
1: Police is Synchronicity. <laughs> <laughs>
3: Hysteria and Hysteria 2,
1: those I, are both whoppers of tracks. Like, like I don't whopters. understand... Why Bohemian Rhapsody 2 wasn't the bigger one? now yeah. uh, oh, that song, um, this from is Wayne's World too.
3: From Wayne's World 2 <laughs> that scene where they all headbang to <laughs> Bohemian Rhapsody
1: too. Yeah, well they bang heads instead <laughs> yeah, of uh... <laughs> uh This is Palm Beat. This, this I feel like is the the more vibe distilled yeah. down into one track. You could hear this at the beach. like that's just got that like beachy summer yeah vibe. it really does and i think that's 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 exactly like the vibe they're going for i love that track uh this is soul bells oh, man, this track rocks That one, that one might be my favorite.
3: That's uh, a Criedamore great track. track. And you know what? Those uh, horns,
1: those horns come in together. That's incredible. You hear that uh,
3: in a bunch of the uh, Tomas sets from this time. Yeah, I heard it that's in really the cool. set from '99 or whatever in in Chicago that he did, and I hear it in the uh, Cassius together set. He he spends this and that. So that's he a good.
2: Likes song. this a lot. Yeah. If, if these kind of give me the same vibe that like. A song like like Phoenix on on Homework gives me a little yeah bit. yeah um, or fresh or fresh that fresh well super I mean that filter, that imagery super crunchy yeah. the imagery of like the the fresh video of the sunset yeah. on the beach is absolutely I feel like, the feeling I
1: get from, I, from yeah this I feel like sound. I feel like because Gimon had that quote last week or two weeks ago about fresh being like like a funny silly track that he yeah. that like made him laugh I think he that he like expanded on the the sound of that with the beachy vibe and created a whole label out of it's it. It's very
2: funny to me that like uh Gimon's out here making like fun stuff and what is this the same time that Tomas is doing uh, irreversible. Yeah, probably yeah, around. I mean, it's, yeah. those are two two opposite sides yeah. of a coin right? Which there.
1: I I always I always tend to think cuz he's so soft spoken and he's he's a bit of a grouch when he does speak up sometimes. Um uh where uh, yeah just, just this is a fun so uh we might revisit this quote just but it's on my mind just for him being a grouch um there's a a journalist asking uh he this journalist asks this really stupid question when you're in the helmets are you thinking like do you ever think like I could murder a curry right now until Moss takes it like very seriously. He's like, maybe not a curry. I get thirsty. Sometimes Gimon <laughs> comes in and he goes, when we're on stage sometimes and something goes wrong, I'm shouting in this helmet and no one can hear me. This is when I want to go fucking crazy <laughs> like that. I feel like, like, yeah, like he's like the grouch and then he, but he's the one making this like beachy, beachy summer jams, happy tunes. <laughs> like they're they're like it's hard to get a handle on them as people because yeah. they don't want you to. Uh, this is uh this is the little nightclub track Tropical. that that might as well come be straight out of the 70s yeah
3: these are all sample forward tracks yes you know the samples at the front of all of this it's weird to to find the pockets of both of their respective careers when the samples are in front and when they aren't you know yeah around the world's one of the most iconic tracks from daft punk's oeuvre and it's not a sample track right but then you get some of the together and startup stuff where it does have sample forward uh it, it's just interesting to me
1: yeah like harder better faster stronger like very easily identified yeah. sample um one more time is uh they cleared they they cleared the sample but it's not even in the it's not even in the liner notes for the record yeah and it took people years to figure out and we'll talk about all that next week
3: sometimes sampling is just finding a bar of music yeah that you're just like Let's repeat that, and I'll put a drum under Bang. it that we can groove to. Yeah. And sometimes it really means just chopping and pitching up a bunch of little noises.
1: Waves Two was the official end of the Cry to More label, though they still keep a presence on Facebook. Apparently, even to this day, if you message them, you might get a response. Wow! Uh, uh, there were rumors of a Cry to More revival in 2015 when La Nightclub surprisingly released a song for the movie, movie soundtrack uh, for a movie soundtrack but nothing really ever came of that. It's a, uh, it's not really a dancey track. It's more, uh, it's more like a hip hop beat. Uh, uh, I didn't, I didn't grab a sample of that or a, a clip of that. Um, Eric Shadevier, uh Rico, the wizard. He has a writing credit on, uh, on the weekend Daft Punk collaboration. I feel oh, it coming. Cool. Yeah. So they were working together up until this point. Uh, he's on, I feel it coming. Uh, that's around the same time as that, that, um, soundtrack song they put out and around this time, should teased that there were unreleased nightclub tracks that were ready to go and that he wanted out. But that this seems to be the last time that Rico, the wizard worked with Gimon or Daft Punk at all. Uh, and before that, they, he did some artistic uh, uh, artistic direction stuff for them. I believe he did some like art design stuff for them, I think. Uh, but this, that was the last time that they worked together at all. That uh, sounds like the
3: machine of this gigantic thing that has Daft Punk got in the way of us hearing a couple of cool
1: tracks That might from be. Uh, yeah, I don't know. I like, d- hey, I don't that know stinks. what happened I would there.
3: love to hear. I want to hear what La Nightclub sounds like in 2016. I what, don't think what, that
1: what, they were newer tracks. I think that they were older stuff. Oh, I th- oh, oh. That's what my impression gotcha. was, that okay. it was just stuff from the Crydomore era. It's like, we have some of these things that could be could be fun that's- to hear.
3: Also fine, but I'm not as interested. Yeah. You know, like, he said that there's on enough
1: a, here for us. Yeah, he said that on a YouTube video that has since been deleted. Too, I think Josh, that there's so. also, like,
2: there's something to be said for unreleased tracks from a time that they were releasing music. You know, yeah. it's not yeah. the same as unreleased tracks from a project that was...
1: Right, you know, yeah. it was crushed by a studio, or it was crushed by a label, a or a contract why, deal, or something. Yeah, they didn't. There's pick a reason them. why Harper. Yeah, Lee, there's a reason why they didn't pick them. Right. There's a reason why Harper Lee didn't want us to hear or to read *Go Set a Watchman*. Yeah, there's exactly. a reason why. Yeah, yeah, and exactly. If, I a, if an artist, ha- if an artist has work that they don't want, that they have not released, it's for a reason. They don't want it out yeah. there. Uh, that being said, uh, uh, I. I would love if they just dumped a bunch of yeah. like half done I mean, daft punk shit on us. It's
2: very interesting when, you know, a, a, a like a prince, right? Prince passes away and then yeah. they release all kinds of stuff or whatever, Who, who whomever yeah. does. Uh, and it's cool to hear that stuff, but none of that stuff ever really rises to the yeah. surface as a new freaking like banger. No. It's, it, it, it's always
3: like. It's uh, for it, completionists. Yep. And or it dilutes the thing.
2: Or it's an early demo version of the thing that they make a better yeah. version of. And those are really cool to hear from, the, or yeah. a early unmastered version of an early take of a song, you know, and that stuff again, like it would be cool to hear it, but it's not because I want to rock to it at a right. club or something like that. And the you other know?
3: thing that I wonder is if a lot of that exists for a group where you're going to play guitar and drums, yeah, you know, cause you are recording it on cassette and you mm-hmm. noodle around and jam, but with electronic music, it's not like you write the song and then produce it. Yeah. You write and produce at the same time. Right. The song it's with song, a band. Yeah. You write a song and the song then you go the, record I mean,
2: it. Yeah, it's the the writing is the comp- composing. Yeah. You so know, like so. I
3: don't think there there, I, there are probably less mixed versions of stuff. Yeah,
1: but there are not like a different demo. Yeah, right. of
3: The songs we listen to totally.
1: Um, although there are uh, some fan-made projects online, people um, uh, there's a couple people who are trying to put together like a Waves 3, basically, of, of all like the Crydomore collaborators' work since then, just kind of like a fan-made thing. Uh, I think we can safely assume that Guiman is not interested in reviving the label in the future. Same goes for Tomas and Roulet. I believe these two side projects fulfilled a unique creative outlet for the fellas uh, uh, that they were looking for in the late uh, 90s and early 2000s, an outlet that neither seems particularly interested in returning to now 20 years later. After the success of Homework and crystallizing the idea to elevate the Daft Punk sound to an entirely new level with their work on Discovery, I think both Tomas and Guiman were not ready to leave the party scene behind. They grew up in that world, and they still had a deep desire to produce raw, imperfect French house music uh, that was meant to get butts moving on the dance floor, not necessarily take the world by storm. Surely, even the success of music sounds better with you, Tomas, by surprise. Roulet and Cridamore were an opportunity to stay connected with their French touch roots, as the real Daft Punk experiment took them further and further away from it. But even as the millennium turned, the French Touch movement was also starting to look different from what the boys remembered. Looking back at this time, Philippe Zadar from Cassius said, Suddenly everyone was trying to be Daft Punk or Cassius or Air. I remember going to the record store and listening to 200 records and all of them were shit. French Touch became a recipe. It got too easy, just like punk um yeah i think that there was a lot i think that there was a significant amount of burnout within this this community at this time with this sound that they were experimenting with you know
3: french touch is in some ways a technique right yeah it is you find the sample and you do the filter (laughs) and you do the compression so it's like the the most creative part of french touch was inventing it right so it's like yeah you know the the template
1: was so easy for people to copy that's i think that that was their biggest thing is that these these guys who figured it out were adding this like level of soul to it that once once some less talented or less like people with a, a less ear for it or like lazier people that weren't willing to like boost it their thing to like find the way to make it fuller or richer were once that happened and it became kind of uh saturated that it, it diluted the whole yeah. sound the, the to most, sameness. Uh, the most iconic Daft
3: Punk stuff. I don't think is quintessential French touch. touch. I guess. No, this like, is
1: all this, the, all everything we heard today is way more in line with what was going on in France at that yeah. time than the Daft Punk stuff.
3: The solo yeah. stuff, the, the you know, Daft Punk does a lot of sample stuff and they do a lot of stuff that is French touch music, but this kind of filter disco sample stuff is not what we associate with Daft Punk. Yeah, yeah. It, I, it is easy to copy. That's very interesting.
1: Yes.
2: It seems to, like, like the, the idea of the saturation or, you know, becoming too easy or whatever, I think it's important to point out also the increases in the technology available to yeah, do stuff like absolutely. this as we go from, you know, as we go from 93, 94, 95, 96, uh, all the way into the early two thousands, by the time we're in like 2001, 2002, 2003 technology, computers, computing speed, all that stuff is skyrocketing. You know, when you start to get into, again, when you get into the Napster age, you get into all, all of that stuff where the internet yeah. and, and digging around on the internet is much more prevalent. So the art, um, that was created by the the originators of this sound inherently become again too easy to do by from a technol technological standpoint as well. Mm-hmm. And it, time and time again, you know, to try to put like a, a big picture lens on this, it seems like what Daft Punk does every time. Like, what's the consistent through line of of, of and Guiman? And it almost feels like the consistent thing for them is making something new like that's their art you know right and
1: and i think that's daft punk's career from this point would be defined by constant redefining there you go i don't think it's an accident that both roulette and cried ceased in 2003 shortly before daft punk turned their back on their famously energetic happy sound to produce a grimy dark and kind of lonely sound on the record human after all or that everything they produced from then on would be a wildly different swing in a new direction from yeah. their last project. Above all, Tomas and Guiman respect following their current passion. They had no use for the outlet these labels had granted them the years that they had ran them. R.I.P. Roule and Crydomore. I can't wait to see what the boys do next. It won't be these labels, and sadly, it won't be Daft Punk, but it will be something special. I can almost guarantee it. Well, well, well. That's their
3: solo shit, boys. Man, I, uh, we'll talk about it in other episodes. Um, the other thing that happens, and you brought it up just a second ago with Napster, is there is a gigantic seismic shift in the way music is distributed yeah. and stuff. And I think that these record labels end at a time where it's like you do not need to have a record label to get music out there. Back then, you needed to have a thing
1: i didn't think about that too but it was it's not like that they were putting out their own music online without these labels either right i think that the what they got out of producing solo stuff in this time was exactly what they wanted in that moment and after this they didn't really have an inkling or urge to do it anymore yeah they're moving away from this sound they're interested in more um more depth more cre- like more depth, more int- like interesting production techniques and soundscapes. Uh, uh, I especially, I, I've I've always deeply wanted to hear them return to like a dancier sound. Uh, even if they researching this project and learning more about them in this time period, uh, no matter what happens in the future, I am confident that they will never return to producing. Dance music. Again. Yeah. This the, like this, this stuff is in the past for them. And, what, and, and whatever they they come up with next, it will be it will be a, like dancey. It'll be groovy, but it won't just be it, They're not going to just put out house music. Anymore.
3: No, no. And it's it's hard because I think a live 2007 is the best piece of, of dance music that we get from them. Yeah. But I also I don't know the production techniques of of this era, this chop up a couple bars of a disco song and throw a drum under it. I can see how they got, they did it for a long time yeah. and everybody did it. I can see how they got burnt on it and yeah. they, they have, I don't know. I'm, I'm very excited to, this is an era of them that I love so much and that I spend most of my time with. Yeah. But they do. I'm excited for them to move on you know yeah, I'm excited I'm, for the, I'm excited yeah. for the things we're going to talk about over the next few weeks.
1: I'm excited I'm excited for them in the current to move on to see what they want to get into in the future. I don't know how long it's going to be till we find out what those are. Um, but you know, I don't think they're gone forever. I, and I, yeah, with this, with this one, we're kind of putting to bed an era of their careers and moving on to something completely different. And that, like, I'm excited for that for the podcast, just to see, to follow along with the trajectory of their careers. Cause it's, it is, it is entirely huge swings every er era of their production. Yeah. Um, I mean, and the, the next one is is uh just an entirely different. I mean, uh, they wake up. They wake up in their next um uh, production cycle as robots. They're not even humans. It's funny. Yeah, it's yeah. like
2: you mentioned it last week. Like they're we're leaving the part where they're yeah. in the warehouse and. Next week they're on Toonami. You yeah, know, like it's, it's like this is, they're robots on Toonami. They were two kids in a warehouse. Next week they're robots on Toonami. Yeah.
3: And these sets, this stuff I love of Together and Cassius and these these four hour, you know, Parisian nightclub nights, that's all ninety-nine, two thousand, two thousand one, two thousand two, yeah. and they they could not go back to that if they wanted to, because the scale of this becomes too big for them to go that's back true. to that. That's true.
1: And um and physically um there uh around this time, around the late nineties and two thousands, Tomas has uh a, a scare with tinnitus. Yeah. Um and he believes around two thousand two he believes that he will never be able to play nightclubs again. He stops DJing at all in two thousand two. Wow. Um uh reportedly, rumoredly, his tinnitus has improved. Uh, but he still we'll never i don't think we'll ever see him dj for for forsaking his ears um uh that doesn't mean, i don't think i don't think that means that we'll never see him do something live ever again yeah. i i will i'm not willing to say that uh cuz i could absolutely if i could absolutely see uh one or two of these guys i don't I will i don't think they're ever going to do anything together again um i think finality of of ending daft punk was a choice yeah. but but i'm the, i wouldn't rule out the uh, like seeing like tomas bangalter headline lollapalooza or some shit like that or, or Gimon manuel is a headliner at that uh, i was gonna say mopop but I don't, <laughs> think that's, I don't think that's gonna happen
3: yeah i don't know uh i i'm, I'm curious uh
1: yeah um uh, but yeah
2: Discovery is next week. Discovery
3: is a Yeah, gonna and I can't. Blast. We we talked about it a little bit. I can't
1: believe that this episode was over two hours. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna try to rein her in. Next yeah, week. we're gonna like, try. No, no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, we just this solo project. I was truly. I was truly uh, go and nervous. listen to their DJ
3: sets. The, yes. the stuff from this era is is fucking incredible. And like all of the tunes uh four hours of that cassius together set, it's they're all great they're all like they i i've bought those songs they're all so good go listen to it
1: that's uh yeah if you're into these guys and you want to hear what they were up to around here that's a perfect distillation uh of it that set specifically their bbc set is awesome uh, and, there, and there's a there's a bunch of stuff out there if you dig hard enough uh, of them. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Like Devin said, not all of it's the best quality, but you don't have to crank it up. You can like you can listen to a ripped DJ set that they did in Chicago in 96 um and, and have and just a great find
2: time. 15 new songs.
3: Yeah. That
1: you've never heard. Yeah.
2: Speaking and, of new songs. Are you, oh, I was just going to make the point that for those of you who are maybe newer at this stuff and maybe you're not into the the. Uh, uh, formally educated in the house side of things and the warehouse side of things. Maybe you hear some of these noises and you're thinking, I don't know what these sounds are uh, beyond like the funk or around the world. Uh, Discovery is the point where you will know yeah. so much of this music, whether yeah. you know, you know it or not. Uh, it, 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 I'm excited.
1: Hell yeah. Hell yeah. What a treat. So we're closing every week out, uh, With music that uh, dance music that we are currently obsessed with some of this might be brand new stuff Some of it might be old stuff. Some of it might be stuff that we Have loved and rediscovered uh, recently Some of it might be huge stuff that you know some of it might be obscure stuff that you're just finding out now, but um, We want to introduce people to some of these uh, crispy Tunes that we have been listening to lately this uh, I'll go first. Uh, this is from February of this year. It's oh, by yeah. Ghetto Blaster, uh, who is—it's a, a duo. One dude from Detroit, one dude from Chicago, who got together and they said, "We just want to make old school jams." This one's called House,
3: and it's called House.
1: This one came up on my Spotify discovery uh, recently. I found it, and I could not believe it when I found out it was from 2021. Yeah. That shit sounds like Ghetto straight Blaster up 90s. Has put out a yeah a couple
3: incredible tunes recently. Yeah. They are our fr- our good friend uh, Kevin Miner said they are low key one of the best groups doing
1: it in tech house. Yeah, and I if you haven't heard of them, uh, check them listen. out. Ghetto Blaster. They are they they've been around for like six years or so doing cool shit and that yeah they they have found a way to like to fi- like use old school sounds to make n- new sounding yeah. stuff like that just straight up sounds like sounds throwback yeah so good yeah i like i i miss piano in house music i miss tr- strings in house music uh and like um those noises have been getting me going recently cuz i'm researching all this old daft punk stuff and re- like re like re listening to like Armand Van Held and stuff and just those string parts just don't exist anymore in house music yeah. and shit like this makes me hopeful that, that we're going to find, we're going to find hear more people uh, um, tootling around with those noises. Uh, who's next? I can go next. Uh, so
2: I, I it's the, one of the funny things in this is how, how do we pronounce names? It's very funny. We have this conversation almost every week. How do you say that DJ's name? Mm-hmm. Uh, but I'm going back to I'm sticking with French House. Uh, I'm going back to uh two thousand your two thousand Majo, or maybe it's Mojo depending on how you read it. Uh, M O D J O Majo. Uh, big song. Uh, which also I, I didn't really know uh, until recently. Uh, it, it, it's a chic sample which. With writing credit by Nile Rogers, which that's a tie-in right there. But also, uh, recently I've learned from you guys that uh, this was either a sample... It's unclear if it was given to them or suggested to them by Tomas. He cut it, right? And he gave it to them? Like Tomas
3: i don't know tomas was tomas was like this is a sample you should use. yeah
2: it's it's unclear i found a couple things on the internet talking about it and it's unclear to me if he actually gave them a sample he chopped or if he suggested that they chopped that but anyway tomas uh uh, he had something to do with this one. had something to do with them using this uh this this chic sample you know it you love it
1: it's lady by Majo. 149 million plays on YouTube. It's crazy. Right? That song somehow, every Wikipedia time... Wikipedia says uh, uh, created under guidance and heavy recommendation from Tomas. Okay. So. so it's it's crazy to me. Like that That's
2: a song that has been... Ever present when we're hanging out and listening to music and, and partying or, or dancing or whatever the hell we're doing. It's weird to me that that song, uh, for us, if it, it, it somehow, whether we're hiking through the woods or we're up in the vibe yeah. den, it's somehow that song always finds its way you know into what? our what That
1: makes me think of, um, that one, like, uh, top 10 hit in a ton of countries, yeah. number one in UK. 81 on the Billboard Hot 100. Yeah, it was a global, global smash hit. Another one that Tomas just had something to do with, that it was like this enormous thing.
3: Uh, I I think of this because we were hanging out at our friend Alex Bergman's house uh, a while ago, uh, just hanging out uh, with the group, uh, and we put on the Stardust music video. Yeah. Like it just came up in recommended stuff because of other dance music I was playing. And it just played uh, the Stardust track and this back to back because both music videos are great. The music yeah. video for this song is another iconic '90s uh, one. So shout out to that! Shout what a, what out. a good back to back music video. Yeah. Uh, uh,
1: you another? I picked a throwback house anthem. Yeah,
3: this one's an anthem. Um, it's by the Bucketheads. I I was thinking about it this week. Uh, Because it came up in my Discover Weekly for an Armand Van Helden 10 minute remix, but also I was listening to a Tomas set from 1999 today
1: that he threw this in. It's it's in every house set for these 20 years, but it rips. We mentioned it. We mentioned it uh, in the episode, but there's these songs that if you know dance music, you know even if you don't know the name of it or who did it. This is absolutely one of them. The track's called "The Bomb" by the Bucketheads. Swirling through my my mind. What a good track! Yeah, Yeah, There are that another thirty incredible remakes. Those brassy, those brassy noise. Just like, um, I listen to a lot of uh this music. Um, the what happens? Like, there's no, there's no like real instrumentation in the music anymore and uh we they have stuff that sounds like it but like there's something about having those horns on top of this music that i i really miss
3: so much of what we listen to is like tech house Mm -hmm. and that's you know it's dirty bird and that's the stuff we like but the tech part of it is the 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 Tech, the techno part of it is the the synths, right? It's yeah. a synthesized bass line with a synthesized melody over it, and then the house is more in the rhythm of it. Yeah. But when you have the more melodic house stuff where it's, you know... Got like horns and strings and piano. Yeah. It, I don't know. The tech stuff. The
2: tech stuff definitely at times can lose a little bit of that like warmth of life. Yeah, you know. The, like, and it's yes. fun great for groove, upbeat stuff. You know, yeah. it's great for the the the. I I don't know. Again, like I think of that in like a warehousey setting yeah. or whatever, and it's great. Yeah. But like sometimes I, I'm with you. Sometimes you just need that that this fun upbeat, yeah, that brand-y. fun upbeat live warmth, living, breathing. Uh, not to, to shit all yeah. over
1: any tech, but tech I mean that's music but that came think, from from our people playing love, instruments, love of uh, beeps and boops are, 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 are as well established. Yeah, here. right. I yeah, love, but but sometimes yeah, sometimes I just want the, like, it's the mood. Beep, 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 beep. Sometimes, sometimes beeps, I don't know
3: playing an instrument somewhere along the process. Yeah. Yeah. You
1: don't even have to play it. Just like you look know, at like that, just look that, at it real that, hard. And you know that was pro- that's probably a sample from somewhere, right? Yeah, that, yeah, those absolutely. horns. Like they didn't play those for. Maybe that's from a
3: group. I think it's from an album, yeah. Chicago Thirteen.
1: But, um, but yeah, go. that t- like uh, um, it's like sampling horns off a record from the seventies is just like a thing that uh, I you know I don't know it, it yeah, that's, uh, It's just not uh, as much of part that's of. That's a the-
3: sample from the band uh, Chicago on their album Chicago Thirteen. That's incredible. That
1: that is incredibly dorky. <laughs> yeah, fucking Chicago. <laughs> yeah. That's sample rips. Uh, yeah, I, listen. What what we're learning here between daft punk and, and all of this 90s music is if you can find losers the, make the best music. Yeah. Yeah, losers make like snippets of the best music. <laughs> if you if you find a dorky band like Chicago, chances are there's 3 seconds in one of their records that could be an undeniable dance hit yeah. if they just let it. Different losers can yeah. find that. What got, <laughs> like like if my favorite concert of all time would be Steve Winwood singing Doing Valerie, but not not the whole song. Valerie. <laughs> if he just sang, if he just sang the part where he goes, call on me. Yeah, right. And he just did that for three hours. Yeah, that's all you need. That's all well, you that's do. all you need. You're the man now, Put dog. A the <laughs> <laughs> Put a groove under concert. Put a groove yeah. under
2: uh, it. So call one on more time, me. what do we got next week?
1: The big one. The big one. Uh, next week is Discovery. Uh, the big one. It's got disc in the name. Disco very mm-hmm. it's very disco it is um, so yeah we will delve into the boys uh, um, s- uh, that's all you need. we'll delve effort. into the boys <laughs> we'll delve right into those boys yeah um, but uh, we are tell your friends about us. Um, or else <laughs> or else or else subscribe to the show if you're not if you're just listening to it please subscribe on your favorite podcast if you app. have
3: positive things to say write a review if, if you've you got po- negative things to say yeah, honestly we'll write a review yeah. write it on gotten, an index card and throw it in the trash we haven't you know? gotten a
1: negative review yet uh, big shout out to um to jared at daily detroit for having us on yeah. his show to talk about daft punk to him Check his show out. Check his show out. Uh, I don't think he needs our help plugging his <laughs> show. <out. laughs> uh, we don't know how many people will listen to these. That's true. That's true. Sometime in the future, um, we might have surpassed Daily Detroit's Daily List. That's listeners. the dream. We're that's the dream, Jerry. Um, you hear us. You hear us. We're coming for you, Jerry.
3: Um, uh, Jerry also did an incredible Photoshop of Daft Punk yeah. outside of Planet Ad. That that's right. really, really rocked.
1: Incredible, yeah. Um, And you can see those pictures and things and links to uh, our interviews and different stuff at all of our social medias. We're at Alive 2021 Daft Punk Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Um, And we have a website, Alive2021.com, where you can find our P.O. box So if you want to send us – fun letters or like Daft Punk art you made or really anything or a homemade t-shirt or a any, homemade, anything, t-shirt. Yeah. Or, or homemade t-shirt or if you've got like um, the random access memories deluxe deluxe edition box that you're looking to get rid of you could give or us that or you have any
3: of um, like
1: Daft Punk's hair that you've, yeah, if you've got a hair <laughs> <on>. <laughs> hair, uh, if, hair you, if you snuck backstage and stole like one of their robot gloves and you want to send it to us you got a replica helmet or the real helmet we'll yeah if you have it. if you if you ripped one of those helmets off Tomas and took it home and it's your treasured possession and you want and you want to get rid of the evidence you can send it to us um uh but um yeah uh we're just trying to grow this thing so if you enjoy it you, you like hearing people talk about dance music in a really nerdy way um it, it would be fun to keep doing this so let us know uh and yeah absolutely cool if you have any daft punk stories or if you are in some way uh across paths with them or, or have we'll, any fan fiction you've written about have you, them? If you have any sexy fan fiction you've written about them, we would love to. We're going to have some um, some fans of our show that have different experiences. Uh, we're going to have them on our show soon to talk about uh, um, their different stories. So if you've got something like that, we might, we might feature you on the show if it's cool enough. So again, info at 2021.com. Um, you can email us there and we'll get in contact with you. But I think that's it. Yeah, I mean, uh, I'm Darren.
2: Uh, you can uh, you can find me on uh, in, on all the social medias at uh, the most Darren T H E M O S T D A R R E N. And also, uh, if you want to uh, check out some video game content, I stream uh, live uh, on Facebook Gaming uh, just about every single day at DSG Gaming yeah. on Facebook. I'm Devin Rosni on uh,
3: Twitter and Instagram and everything. D V I N R O S N I and I've got uh, some music coming out soon, so I'll let y'all know about that when I start making
1: that happen. It's crispy, crispy. I'm Andy. Dr. Good tweets. Doctor Good tweets. Yeah, we'll see you later.
3: And you you went to medical school? Yeah, for I w- went.
1: Yeah, I went to tweet University of Twitter. Wow, <laughs> I have a medical degree in in snarky internet. Where'd you comics. do your residency? The 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 hospital of none of your fucking <laughs> new episodes,
2: macho new episodes every Friday. We will <laughs> see you next week for discovery. Hello, everyone.
4: Alive twenty twenty
2: one is a member of the Planet Ant Podcast Network and was created by Andy Reid developed by Andy Reid, Devin Rosenai, and Darren Shelton, with technical production by Darren Shelton. For more information, please visit Alive2021.com.